so many of us struggle with mental health issues, and it's important that we take time to prioritize ourselves. That's especially true in dating. Sometimes we just need a break, a full, I don't need any more notifications to pop up on my phone break. I've been there, and I leaned on Bumble's snooze mode to help me take that time to prioritize me. Snooze mode allowed me to pause all of my Bumble activity without losing any of my existing connections or chats. I could choose to hide my profile from potential matches for either 24 hours, 72 hours, a week, or indefinitely. I was even able to set an away status so my existing matches knew I'd be back to pick up where we left off. So I took a week off and came back in a much better headspace for me and my matches. If you're looking for a better way to date, download Bumble and don't forget to lean on snooze mode when you need it. Excuse me. Black Dragon jumping in on the Merle thing here. Ben Jenkins, how you doing? Uncle Dale and his power stash are here. If you see Uncle Dale down in Austin, Texas, make sure you rub his power stash for good luck. Right through American Thanksgiving does not count for Black Friday. Dr. Steers, how you doing, my friend? Margio, good to see you. And Polar Eclipse, nice to have you back. 405er, nice to have you here. And uh, Chefist, how's your air conditioning doing, by the way? Just curious. Kurt Valdez, Sibylla Irwin, how are you? And uh, D. Cohen merling it up. Look at Dank here. Merlosaurus Rex, very nice. Oh, and a downshift. El Avni Merlador, very nice. Very nice. See? El Avni Volador, El Avni Merlador. That is solid. Absolutely solid. Hey, there's a beautiful Bill WD40 over in the other chat room. How you doing? Good to see you. We are 20 seconds away. The Super Chat is open. Our store is open. If you want to support us one way or another, if you're new here, hit subscribe on our channel. We are here seven days a week for your listing pleasure. All right, guys, here we go. Let's do this thing. Because it is time for us to merle it up right here on SOR. Horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. 
It is that time of the month once again where our main man, Merle, from the Paranormal Road Trippers comes in. We're going to get into some spooky stories tonight with Parrot Northwest. We're going to have a good time. Trust me on this one. This is going to be a lot of fun. Then in hour number three, Swamp Dwellers back to kick off with another spooky story. Tim Senor returns for the UFO report. Shirky Pooh has the news. Once again, from the Paranormal Road Trippers out of Vancouver, British Columbia, height unknown, weight unknown. Our main man, Merle, is back for Ghosts of the Great White North. Merle comes in to co-host with me where we talk some paranormal, supernatural, and all things odd with people from around North America and the world. A ghost hunter by train, Merle is not afraid of stepping into any haunted situation. And tonight is no different because we are getting into spooks, ghosts, hauntings with the team from Paranorthwest based out of Seattle, Washington. We have Eric, Shayla, and Cheyenne here with us, and we are going to be discussing a lot of what they do. It's not just ghosts anymore for them. They get into the cryptids. They get into the weird things. And Eric has one hell of a good handlebar mustache, even though you can't see it on the radio. But trust me on this one, you want to tune in just because of that mustache. Merle, let's kick it off with you tonight, my friend. How you doing? Get you to unmute first, because you do this every show. I'm used to you pressing unmute when we start the show. I know. spoiled. I know. I know, but you're spoiled with that new microphone that has a mute button. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. look at that. I don't know. Tonight's the test, Dave. It's a new microphone. It's a new day. It's a new interview. And Spokane, not Seattle. Oh, what the hell? It's same same state, different side. Same state, different side. But, yeah, thanks for catching that, Merle. I appreciate that. I appreciate Looking that. Out for you. Hey, you are a man of many words, and so far you've already hit your quota for this half hour. So I'll bring in the paranormal team, the Paranorthwest, Eric, Shayla, and Cheyenne. As you can tell, we like to have a lot of fun here with our main man, Merle, hanging on out with us. And thank you so much for, for joining us. And why don't uh, we start with you, Cheyenne, and, and tell us how you as a team got started in the paranormal realm. Well, started when I was pretty young for me, you know, everything started really quick after um, a family member had passed and I started seeing ghosts. They just started coming to me. Um, One, I remember uh, I was in a graveyard visiting my loved one and I kept looking around and I'm seeing these cloaked gray figures there was no color to them um and they were wizards and so i started telling shayla about what i was seeing and eventually she helped me navigate through being able to turn on and off um after that she ended up meeting eric uh he was a skeptic at that time but we reeled him in uh after one crazy night of him opening up to us, I was able to help him find almost like um, a spiritual, uh, yeah, spiritual piece of him that he needed like a little bit of closure. And that's what really kicked us off from there. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. <laughs> and for you, Eric, being the, the the skeptic of the group, the guy who really didn't want to believe any of this stuff, how has your life changed through all of this? So I started, I mean, uh, I grew up in a very conservative Christian home. So a lot of these things were very taboo. You didn't discuss these things if, you know, anything were to arise. So just so you know, their their audio may freeze up a little bit here. They are having some trouble with the signal. But Merle, I mean, this is the type of uh, you know team that you want. You want uh, you don't need a massive giant team, Merle, in order to get the no. job done. So many of these teams out there feel that you need you know ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty members, and yet I look at your team, Merle. You know, it's uh, it's two people. I look at this team here. We got three people. I mean, you just don't don't need massive amounts of people in order to get the job done. No, I agree. Don't need so many chefs in the kitchen. It's good to keep it tight. It's good to keep it consistent and it keeps your credibility up and lessens your contamination of when you're investigating. Absolutely. So Eric, we, we, we got cut off with you there for a couple of seconds. Uh, You know how you had become a, a believer in all of this. I mean, after growing up in a very Christian home, you know, for you, was it something that was a very big eye opener for you? Well, yeah, it's like seeing the world for what it really is for the first time. It's like you've only seen half of existence and then the second half is slowly unveiled to you. The story that hooked me that I heard was the Ouija board story for you. Yeah, that is definitely kind of how it all started. And that wasn't even like a a serious thing, which I guess is most people's Ouija board experiences for the first time. We, uh, I was on my first deployment in the Marines and we were in the middle of the Pacific ocean and someone had bought a Ouija board out in the village before we got back on the ship. And they were like, hey, let's try this out. And I, you know, coming from my background, I'm like, well, I'm doing a lot of firsts right now in my life. So might as well kick this off and see what this has going on. And we, so we're inside of a very large ship. It's very dark inside. Um, The only lights you can see are running along the the sides of everyone's bunks. So there's a, a warm glow to your feet. And you board on this somebody's rack, which is a bed, and we're all standing around it, and someone's asking questions, and then of course it gets to is is this the devil? Are we talking to whoever? And then it just kind of gets really out of control with questions, and I, you know, we all just were like, all right, this is this isn't working. So we take the Ouija board and put it away. And right then we had heard a loud thud, like a body falling on the floor. And so we all look and there's a Marine laying on the ground and it's like 1 AM. He's laying on the ground with his eyes kind of open and he's just like shaking. And so we run over to him and everyone's like, Hey, get the corpsman, which is the medic. And so they bring the corpsman over and he's looking at him doing all the lights and everything. And, trying to figure out what happened. And he looks up and he was like, I just turned around and this large black mass came rushing towards me and knocked me. 
Wow. So we took the Ouija board and we went to the side of the ship and threw it into the ocean and got it out of there. Great. Now the the ocean's possessed. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be ghost ship part two if we keep messing around with this. (laughs) Uh, Shayla, we talked to Cheyenne already, correct? Or did we talk to Shayla? Talk to Cheyenne. Yeah. Okay, Shayla, let's learn from you a little bit here about your love of the paranormal and, and what brought you you in. I mean, you and your sister, Cheyenne, you, you're Ojibwe, so you come from a lot of tradition, a lot of legends and, and, and tales of, of the past with, with spirit and, and Mother Earth and everything. How much effect has being Ojibwe in First Nations really played into your quest to learn more about the paranormal? I mean, a lot. I feel like that has so much to do with why we it. Growing up, Cheyenne and I grew up very close to our culture. Um, our grandmother was a, a medicine woman and a pipe carrier. So we kind of grew up learning the ways. And so we were very spiritually in tuned at a young age, Cheyenne especially. Um, and so I just kind of always, I don't know, I tried to help her cause she was always so scared, you know, as a kid and stuff. And yeah, it just, I mean, to this day, she still, you know, deals with so much going on. So it, yeah, I think that's kind of how it's affected me. I kind of try to view it. I don't know, at a little bit of a distance, but, um, Yeah. It's just, it's, it's crazy. All the things that we've seen and experienced over the years, it's. I could just imagine what, what, what that's like, you know, growing up with, with it. I I have the benefit up here where I live in British Columbia to talk to a lot of First Nations people regarding, you know, the legends and the stories and, and every now and again, you know, they'll give you a little tip on where to go and, and how to investigate and what to be aware of. And, and it, I, it's just so profound because I, I'm a firm believer, and I've said this on this show before, that I think as we look more scientifically into UFOs or paranormal or cryptids, and it is going down that road scientifically, I think we are missing a lot of the proper information on two points. Number one, for the most part, we pay no, uh, or scientists pay no attention really to experiencers. But number two... I think that the First Nations out there, doesn't matter whether it's it's your uh, your people or the people up here, they always seem to have the right answers for what is going on. And the, the scientific community, for some stupid reason, keeps ignoring that. And I, I just think if we were able to combine the two, how many more answers would we have? I mean... I can just imagine what this world would be like knowing that, you know, Mother Earth is breathing and there are Sasquatch and there are rogue Gugway out there and Dogman and little people running around who will literally mess with you if you go and piss them off, you know? You know, but I just think we'd be a lot further ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we all agree with that. And that's kind of like what our our team is about and our podcast is about as well. It's like opening the eyes of people to things that have been portrayed as folklore, but that are 
becoming more accepted in everyday life and how we, you know, how that, that gap has already been bridged. And that's what makes your podcast different from a lot. Because I, I noticed right off the bat, I think I started listening, got a long time ago. You were on our rotation during our road trips this summer, like religiously. And, <laughs> you. and it all started with your, your, your 1905 house that you bought when he was not there. Yeah, that's uh, that's the, where we're in right now uh, doing this interview. Who's behind you? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's the question. Oh, there that's goes the Merle. There goes Merle <laughs> trying to be funny again. Thanks, Roseanne Barr. That was a good zinger. <laughs> Come on, it was fine. <laughs> Tell us about your house. Tell us how you came into that. Well, yeah, it was built in 1905. Um, I bought it uh, without Eric's knowledge, <laughs> um, and we had been married about two years. To the home, I was like, "This is it!" Like, I am obsessed with all things just as old as you can get them, and this has all of the original wood, the original wallpaper, um, and it's just, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a good size home. It's a three bedroom, two bath, and it's spooky. It's very spooky. We had a lot of issues when we first moved in here. What was happening? Um, well, so when we bought it, it was just me. Eric was deployed at the time, so I was staying here, um, just Cheyenne and I. Yeah. And we heard a lot of thumping, a lot of um, running upstairs in the hallway. Uh, There was a lot of sounds. And you could also hear a lot of times in the kitchen a lot, the dishes kind of clanking. You know, just your normal spooky sounds. But after so long, we started seeing um, apparitions after being here for about a month. Like full body type people walking around? Yes. Yeah, that was, it really got me. We have a a staircase at the front entrance um, at our front door. And I would be sitting in the living room watching TV and you could just, out of the corner of your eye, you'd see something. And I turned and looked and you seen, I mean, I was looking straight on and it was this woman, maybe in her 30s. She had a Victorian era gown really long kind of train and she just walked slowly completely up the staircase. I was blown away. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you guys investigated your house. What sorts of activity did you get while investigating? I mean, we've investigated this house 10 times, 15 times. It's kind of our, it's weird to say, but it's kind of like our center for investigating. If we, because there, there's so many spirits in here, you know, basically part of the family now. They they live here and we live among them. They've been here before us and we're, we all live in harmony. So we will come back and investigate the house usually every year sometime. But I mean, the first couple investigations we were getting the whole, you know, camera shutting off when you're recording down a hallway and you're not by it, uh, malfunctions on all kinds of 
electrical equipment because we always tell them you can use anything we have on us. Like you can't use our our energy, but you can go ahead and drain the batteries. I mean, we're trying to see something. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, actually, this light right above the right, right above us here uh, typically goes out um, <laughs> when only when we investigate. Yeah, and it's happened more than one occasion when we've investigated. This house, I would say, is our bread and butter. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know, I know where we're stopping when we get there, Dave. Well, yeah, we'll go there. We'll bring Nate Foot and, and Hallmark with us from WIBS, you know, to get them to take a night off Absolutely. of uh, Sasquatch research and, and come uh, hang out with us. I, I want to ask you guys, in regards to um, – the hauntings and everything that you guys go through. You guys are in Eastern Washington state. You know, how haunted is that area? You know, like in between us, we have the gold rush trail that kind of divides Washington state. You know, there's a lot of, of spirits and everything, you know, from the oceans and, and uh, along the, you know, the, the coastline. But when we get into the interior where you are, how haunted is it? What kind of ghosts are you experiencing there? I mean, we had a pretty huge fire that basically burned down Spokane um, back in the 1900s. I would say 1905. So we do have a lot of that. Um, the actual property that we're on right now uh, was a burial ground at one point. So um, I'm sure beneath us in this house, there's... You know, unfortunately, I mean, amongst the Prohibition era as well, which Shayla and Eric can both attest to this, there's been plenty of bottles found. Washington is uh, rich in, I mean, Spokane itself is rich with history. Um, You know, a lot of Native Americans have settled in this area. There was a few reservations just right by us that we can travel to at any point. So no doubt that there are, you know, any kind of ghosts that you want to find, you're going to find them. Now, does your town embrace the paranormal like they do with Sasquatch or, you know, I mean, I also know that there's a lot of weird things that happen. You've got a major Air Force base there with Fairchild, and it always seems to be, you know, maybe a few weird lights in the sky when you got a bombing range or a, a fleet of bombers hanging out at Fairchild like you guys do there. And, uh, you know, bet you didn't know old Davey knew that. But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, I mean, does the town embrace... So many of us struggle with mental health issues, and it's important that we take time to prioritize ourselves. That's especially true in dating. Sometimes we just need a break, a full, I don't need any more notifications to pop up on my phone break. I've been there, and I leaned on Bumble's snooze mode to help me take that time to prioritize me. Snooze mode allowed me to pause all of my Bumble activity without losing any of my existing connections or chats. I could choose to hide my profile from potential matches for either 24 hours, 72 hours, a week, or indefinitely. I was even able to set an away status so my existing matches knew I'd be back to pick up where we left off. So I took a week off and came back in a much better headspace for me and my matches. If you're looking for a better way to date, download Bumble and don't forget to lean on snooze mode when you need it. 
Liven up your next outdoor party with Orca's Teeny and Barrel Drinkware. They're perfect for pool parties, the beach, or sitting by the fire pit. The Teeny is a stainless steel martini cup that keeps your drink icy cold for hours and comes in a variety of gorgeous colors and designs unique to Orca. The stainless steel barrel tumbler looks like you're drinking out of an oak wood cask. Perfect for whiskey lovers. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code 15 for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com, promo code 15. It's, it's weird side. While doing this is speaking about the paranormal with people is not an icebreaker. But it will get you a good conversation if you have patience with it. Everyone I tell, you know, oh, what are you doing this weekend? And they're all going out to the bars or whatever. And I'm like, oh, we're going to this haunted place or there's a old burial ground up here or we're going onto the reservation to go look for whatever. They all say the same thing like, oh, that's that's weird. You're into that. And then if you wait about three minutes, they'll say, you know, I saw this thing like four years ago. And everyone has a story of the paranormal. Everyone has seen or experienced a, something paranormal in, in their lives. And a lot of them have pushed it down. But when you bring that up in conversation, all of a sudden it's, it's right back in their memory and they want to talk about it with someone. Yeah. There's always that guy. They don't believe in it. Then there's the, well, there's this one time. Yeah, that's a, that's that everyone. Person. Yeah. One. Love that person. You know, I mean, yeah. we got about 90 seconds to go here before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour, Ghost of the Great White North is underway. We got Merle. We got the team from Paranorthwest here out of Spokane, Washington. You know, the fact that you got some really cool history in Spokane, are the are the ghosts there, uh, are they more, you know, really fun to work with? Or, or are, they, are they difficult? Are they not wanting to chat? Are they hidden most of the time? What, what kind of ghosts are you dealing with here? I mean... It does differ per location, of course, but I feel like a lot of times they're very quiet and people kind of tend to leave things alone. But once you take the time to sit down and try to talk with them, you'll get great responses. We've had really good success with everything from, you know, working with the spirit box to the Gansfield, to the Estes method. We've had great success with it. Wonderful. And the journey is just continuing because that's, mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. And, you know, that's what we uh, we like to, to hear around here. I mean, have you found any, with 30 seconds to go, have you found any consistencies with the different investigations that you've had? I think it has a lot to do with intention and your openness to it. But I don't think any one investigation has been consistent with the other, and that's why paranormal has this uh, allusion to it and why it's so mysterious. Love it. Love it. Guys, everybody hold on right there. We are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. We got Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers in with me tonight for Ghosts of the Great White North as he does each and every month. And tonight's special guest, we have Eric, Shayla, and Cheyenne from Paranorthwest based out of Spokane, Washington. More ghost stories and strange sightings when we return on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear. 
That was a quick half hour. <coughs> yeah, you, uh, Merle, you, you uh, surpassed your uh, your uh, amount of of uh, words you were allowed that half hour. Very nice. Very nice. I'm done, man. That's all you know. Well, that's right. Are we doing all right or what? You guys are doing awesome, man. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> this is our first time, so we're we usually I'm a little nervous. Yeah. yeah. No, just just pretend you're doing your podcast. It's all well, good. we can't because there's no cursing, and there's a lot of cursing on the podcast. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> We're really watching our mouths on this. I always try to imagine uh, Merle being naked, and that's what calms me down. You know, that's going to excite me if anything. Oh, uh, fair enough. Yeah, James, you just see me here grinning for no reason, and they're going to be like, "What is he smiling at?" I know what he's smiling about. Yeah. <laughs> James Weston says it's a malicious show already tonight. That's good. Yep. Yep. We should uh, do a drinking game every time you say Merle or there's a Merle comment. We would be probably dead hey, right now. Our audience members could go get their own Merle t-shirts at spacedoutradio.com. Yeah. You got new ones out? I got two I got two great ones there. I got the one with the ghosts and the skull Merle. Oh, boy. Yep, they are both badass. I own both. I own none. Well, why don't you, you cheap bastard? Because you haven't given me any free stuff. Fine. And hats. We want hats. All right. Let's go make you a hat. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Where do you guys want to take it next half hour? Do you want to go into your latest podcast? Talk about that. The whatever you feral guys... people, they've feral people. Yeah, let's go yeah. into feral people. Yeah, it's a it's something that's kind of struck like, like a chord with us recently, and there's a lot of that around here. Apparently, there's feral people everywhere around here. I saw some feral people when I was driving to Colfax. That's for sure. <laughs> There's feral people that live in Colfax. Fair enough. <laughs> I like it there, though. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been to St. Ignatius? We have. Yes. Uh, that's, that's a badass place. It yeah. Is. yeah. It was odd because, like, we thought the basement, obviously, was going to be creepy because it's a basement. But then we went up to the nuns' quarters in the top, and that was by far the scariest place in that hospital. Yep. I, I would agree with you. It was like so quiet. And I know it's really quiet in a place when I can hear my tinnitus super well. And <laughs> yeah. so I was standing in there just hearing the ringing. And I'm like, I do not like this place. And then we heard people talking. So we looked around the corner and no one's there. And Shayla's like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I love that place. That's uh, that's on our list, too, when we're coming up to the Spokane area. We also did, we also did a, a brothel. In Spokane, oh, not Spokane, Colfax. Oh, um, it was beside or on top of the can. There's like a candy store. I don't know. I do not remember what it's called. But it was like oh, it was opening a time capsule. It was weird. It was all dusty and old and. Wow, that's rad. Yeah. See, dusty and old. We're in there. Yeah, <laughs> we're in there. Yeah. Bring on the asbestos. That, that's that's like Merle's shower. Dusty and it old. 
You don't have to put up with this, Merle. That's okay. Well, whatever makes him happy, right? By the way, Jules says, I'm a feral people. Her last name's Feral. Okay, I love the pun. That's good punning the right puns. there. By the way, Cat Chaser, thank you so much for the super chat. Mr. Catfish, thank you for the super chat. Very much appreciate it. Uh, Vintage Beard, good to see you back. YJ Overlander, thanks for coming on in. And uh, Mennonite Abe, good to see you. I hope you had a good prayer night before coming in here. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Fanny oh. Ticklesers, I don't get it. Uh, welcome to SOR Chat. Nice name, though. Um, yeah, i got to change Merle's <laughs> name here. Hold on. Let's oh. See. What will it be? What will it be? Something good, I'm sure. Oh, it probably will be. Um, let's go here. Something new, Dave. Something original. Don't 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 reuse your old ones. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. I didn't start thinking about it till now. Darn it. He's a live in the moment kind of guy. You got that right. He sure. All right, guys. <laughs> Don't forget, everyone, give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, and if you're new, hit that subscribe button. Here we go with the second half hour. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate it. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Ghosts of the Great White North from the Paranormal Road Trippers based out of Vancouver, British Columbia. We have our main man, Merle, who joins me each and every month. And we got a great team here from Spokane, Washington, Para Northwest, members Cheyenne, Shayla, and Eric joining us. And Eric, Shayla, and Cheyenne, you've got these weird stories that you have been chasing down recently about feral people. What the hell is going on in Washington State where you got hairy-legged people, men and women, running around the forest chasing others down? What is going on here? So we weren't even, this wasn't even on our radar at first. No. Um, we every year do a, a paranormal vacation, like, you know, we would make sense. And, and we go to the West side and we stay in Port Townsend, Washington at the Manresa castle. And we just basically go from there and see, you know, uh, use that as our home base and go investigate over there. Cause we don't get to investigate the West side often. So every year we do that, and this year we added a camping trip in there because other than being forced by the U.S. government to sleep on the floor, I've never camped in my life. And, you know, sleeping on the ground uh, in the desert kind of ruins it for you. So 
Shayla was like, well, let's go camping for real. Let's, let's take you out. And so we went to the Olympic National Forest uh, over by Forks, Washington, just northeast of there, uh, about, what, six miles in, mm-hmm. and found a spot. Uh, and, you know, having a good time and relaxing and all that. And uh, the first day goes by, we get our food already, just doing the camping thing, which apparently is just a lot of sitting and a lot of gathering of firewood. And I was cool with that. You know, that sounded good to me. The first night comes and we're laying there and I'm trying to, you know, kind of relax here and all the little branches breaking at night and all that and just being like, okay, it's an animal. And we start to hear sounds that I've never heard before, which I can only explain that sounded like 10 to 15 banshees screaming in the middle of the night. And I looked at Shayla, she's been camping her life, and I'm like, so what is, what's that sound? Just, just tell me something, you know, tell me it's some sort of animal. And she's like, I don't know. And so there we are in the pitch black in our tent with our flashlights up to our faces like we're telling scary stories <laughs> and looking at each other and just figure out what the heck's going on. And, you know, and then, uh, Ended up going to sleep. And then, Shay, you want to talk about the second night? Yeah. So the second night, um, you know, it started out just fine. And then we heard, well, I don't even know. I was asleep. Yeah, I'm, I'm awake as can be because of the first night. I'm already eyes wide open, just shifting around in the tent, waiting for whatever the heck's going to come out this time. And yeah, I wake up to Eric hitting my leg and I open my eyes and all I can hear is this, I don't, I don't know. It was like a real, like a throat, like a wow, kind of a sound. But it, it, it had like human depth to it. Like it sounded like it came from within, like deep from within a man's, yeah. a man's frame. Because I had heard mountain lions, I had heard foxes, all those things, and nothing came close to how deep and resonant and human this sound was. Hmm. So we decide to pack up one day early and take off. We pack up all of our stuff. We uh, we leave, and on the way out, there's a ranger station, and I ask them, you know, hey, where do I put my trash from camping? Because I... This is my first time. I'm not going to litter, and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know if you guys have a trash can or something. Whatever. So I tell the the lady, I walk into the ranger station, and it's like a, a small office with your maps and all that around. And it's just this uh, this older woman working there. She's the park ranger. And uh, I ask her, you know, where do I throw my trash ball? Well, I'll make a little small talk. And she says, uh, where, where are we camping up? And I told her, oh, off of uh, Solduck Road, you know, just past Forks. And she says, what did you hear at night? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, that's really odd to ask me that. But, yeah, this is what I heard. And she goes, yeah, we, we get a lot of reports, or a lot of those same reports um, at night, specifically in that area of the park. And so I asked her, well, what, what could it be? I mean, what, is it an animal? Was I just freaking out over a mountain lion? 
And she said, you know, it could be a couple things. It could be uh, Sasquatch. And I was like, you believe in Sasquatch? She goes, honey, I don't know a park ranger who doesn't believe in Sasquatch. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. And the second thing she said is what kind of froze my blood where I was standing. She says, there are families that have lived in those hills for generations. When the park was formed, the government, you know, started getting people out of their cabins and whatnot. But she said a lot of the families took further into the mountains and hid from them and are living their lives still, I mean, from generations later. So these are families that have been living off the land, deep in the wilderness, away from civilization for, I mean, hundred you know, hundred years plus. That's like some wrong turn stuff, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was thinking. I mean, we we look into Sasquatch, we look into Chupacabra, we look into you know cryptids and ghosts and aliens. Feral people was never part of the the scope of what we we're looking into, but it kind of fell in our lap. And from our last podcast episode that came out today, I mean, it kind of makes sense how it all ties in together. Do you believe that this is maybe where a lot of these missing people are going? You know, because, I mean, if you get some, you know, a couple of lonely feral men and they see a couple of women jogging, I mean, it would make complete sense. You know what I'm saying? And they know the wilderness. They know how to stay quiet because they've adapted to that wild culture or culture of the wild, I should say. Absolutely. You know, they've lived out there for how many years they learn from the animals and they look at, you know, an innocent person that's trying to enjoy their day as maybe um, someone to procreate with or um, someone to eat. And that's just what it comes down to. It sounds like cannibalism, which plays a big thing in uh, feral people from, you know, what I've researched so is it similar to like the Appalachia feral people, would you say? Just on the yeah. West Coast, yeah? Yeah. Now, what yeah. other reports have there been of them up and around there? Because I know in your podcast, you really dug dug deep about this. Yeah, so um, a few of Eric's buddies had reached out to him and said, you know, this has actually been a thing. Um, they grew up in Idaho, and they were told not to go on these logging roads at night because they'll be taken. Um, so yeah, just this is saying we believe that a lot of these missing cases could be just that. But yeah, there are, there, there are a lot of cases also coming from the Appalachian mountains, especially in the Spunky mountain subrange. It's one of those things you almost want to investigate, but that could be maybe a little too dangerous to walk that line unless you're you're armed. <laughs> right. I know. You know, but I want to I want to ask you with a lot of these feral people. I mean, at first, the first time I ever really heard about it, I heard that it was a, a lot of uh, you know maybe not 
people who have, have grown up generation per generation, but a lot of draft dodgers going back to, to Vietnam especially that that were trying to get away from having to go over to Vietnam and being forced to join the army or, or whatever military branch it was that they were drafted by. You know, could it be those people who've just, you know, because dodging a draft, I mean, that's that's a criminal offense. And could it be those, a bunch of those people who just have never come back after going into hiding? I think, so it's, it's interesting you bring that point up because we brought it up on the podcast last night that uh, a lot of these stories came from after the Civil War happened. Uh, people came back from that war and we didn't have the outlet and the, uh, you know, the, the system put in place to help uh, veterans returning from war. And they had shell shock back then. You know, I mean, after Civil War, they would just call them crazy and they would not feel like they fit into the community anymore. And a lot of those people actually went up into the woods and began living their life alone. So a lot of those like Smoky Mountains and areas around there, I mean, it's been a thing since the Civil War time and, and pre-Civil War because of how uh, things like that change you as a person. And they, they just took to the forest and wanted to live out the rest of their lives. And I think they, you know, raise young up there. And those people only know that as a, as a place to live and a way of life. And it just kind of snowballs into something like this. Yeah. I, yeah, that I'm I'll go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Have these people, these feral people, been known to have a very violent past? I don't know. And that's the thing that's so crazy is uh we're actually big fans of um the missing four one one key really looking into a lot of that. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of people are taken and either, you know, one of two things happens, right? They're either found um, later on. So many of us struggle with mental health issues, and it's important that we take time to prioritize ourselves. That's especially true in dating. Sometimes we just need a break, a full, I don't need any more notifications to pop up on my phone break. I've been there and I leaned on Bumble's snooze mode to help me take that time to prioritize me. Snooze mode allowed me to pause all of my Bumble activity without losing any of my existing connections or chats. I could choose to hide my profile from potential matches for either 24 hours hours, 72 hours, a week, or indefinitely. I was even able to set an away status so my existing matches knew I'd be back to pick up where we left off. So I took a week off and came back in a much better headspace for me and my matches. If you're looking for a better way to date, download Bumble and don't forget to lean on snooze mode when you need it. Everyone wants to feel safe, in control, and able to trust their own instincts. It's so important, especially as women, and especially when it comes to dating. I get it, and Bumble gets it. They're not just a dating app. They're a connections app built on a foundation of kindness and respect. Bumble has so many tools and resources designed to ensure their community remains a safe space to foster healthy relationships. To learn more, download Bumble and visit their safety and well-being center. 
gone and they're dead or they are found miles away from where they were they went missing and they're perfectly fine so and a lot of times too and they're people from all walks of life little kids different ages you know um they can't remember or um there's missing time so it's hard to say if it's violent or what it is exactly it's just Hmm. it's such a bizarre phenomenon and I think that adds to the mystique of all of it, because like you said, I mean, this is a hard thing to learn about and to find out about, because a lot of the people that find out about these feral people, it's too late. They found out and because now they're being eaten alive, you know, or something. We don't know. Yeah. But this is why we're very interested in it, because it is such a like It's almost like it's still a taboo subject in our culture nowadays. I agree with that. I think it is also really taboo, hushed and just swept under the carpet. Have any of you ever looked at a map and put a map over missing people to where these feral people are alleged to live? So um, not where the feral people may live, but more so of where the missing People have gone as, and the tunnels and mines in all of the U.S. It's very um, close to those areas, which is interesting. Hmm. And that definitely needs to be checked out further mm-hmm. or investigated. Even, like I said, it could be dangerous, but even in the field, trying to see if you can even observe that sort of stuff. Or is it like Sasquatch where... You may not see them. Or are there these untapped communities of these people living deep in the bush that are really good at camouflaging? I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into it. And we are uh, protected. I mean, we're, we're well protected when we go out on excursions. So it's not going to be... because we will have something to protect us from the feral people. You know what I mean? Yep. We catch you. We do the same. (laughs) Yeah, I I can see that too. Go ahead, Merle. I was just going to say, have you heard anything like that up in your area, Dave? Up in the old Pioneer areas? Yeah, actually, I know of uh, a couple of situations like that, you know, where where people have just, you know, maybe they were they were trappers at one time and just got sick of society. Uh, my buddy Mike has ran into a, a family that lives way out in the woods by Gustafson Lake. Uh, they really do a bunch of small-time jobs. The kids are homeschooled. And uh, they just live off the grid. And, and you know, you don't look at, the, at people like that as being really different per se. You look at them as being, you know, just people who got sick and tired of society. You know, I don't know if uh, there's any, you know, I would say the more north you get where there's less population, that's where you would see more of this feral type of attitude. You know, almost a little bit of a take your, the law into your own hands in this area, places where police don't even go, we're not talking downtown Chicago, you know, we're, we're talking to the forests here, you know? So, I mean, 
you do hear about it. It doesn't happen often, but I mean, many a times you'll hear hunters coming back from areas where they've found abandoned cabins that, that don't look to be that old. And, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's a, a shelter in case of future events that people have just built in the forest as just in case or whether, you know, it's, it's feral people or whether it's somebody who just wanted to make a cabin for a hobby because he saw a lot of deer running through that area. We don't know. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the the mysteries of the forest are, are very silent in when it comes to giving up its answers. Do you think they could be along the lines, because I'm going to bring Cryptid back into it, like the melon heads? Any sort of relation? Or totally different entities? The hell are melon heads? Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> Do you call yourself a cryptid guy, Dave? I'm not Open an, up Google. Hey, I'm not an investigator. Fair enough. No, um, that's more Appal- Appalachia area. It's basically inbred upon inbred upon inbred people with enlarged heads that when you go through the forests there, they come get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a nutshell, that's what it is. Yeah, that's starting to make sense. And uh, one of my good friends that I served with, he lives down deep in uh, Virginia, right on the, uh, the border with West Virginia. And his parents and his community, when he was you know growing up, had always told him, you know, yeah, this is a safe place and all that, but if you hear anything at night, no, you didn't. And if you see anything at night, no, you didn't. Just kind of mind your own business. And if you see something, you don't say nothing. Just, I didn't, you know, there's nothing there. And because, I've heard that with the melon head people, that, that, that term. If you hear it, just don't worry about it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's almost like live in such close proximity to each other that they need to have that boundary of like, hey, we both live here. But you, you and I are not the same. And you do your thing and I'll do my thing. And it's almost like an unspoken truce between the people in the towns and the people in the hills. Hmm. Yeah. Out of your paranormal investigations, I'm going to shift gears here for a little bit, not only with the feral people, but, I mean, your area is very well known for cryptids like Sasquatch, Little People, Dogman has been coming into the equation here uh, fairly recently. Have you noticed a lot of paranormal activity surrounding cryptid reports? Cheyenne, let's start with you on this. Yeah, um, well, around here, definitely. Um, being on the, you know, on the indigenous fence of this, there's a lot of indigenous cryptids, I feel like, that not a lot of people know about. Um, one being the stick Indians, which are little tiny, um, I would say not good entities. Um, they will lure you in and they will basically eat you as well. They're known for that and they're known to whistle at night and that's how they draw you in. So also that's one of our rules is we never whistle at night. Oh, but to answer your question, yeah, there is, I feel like, tons. Wow. Talk about the dangers of whistling. This isn't the first time I've heard this in the last few months. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. So it started off when I were really young. My grandma always said, do not whistle. You're going to bring bad spirits in. 
that like are will do harm to you. So growing up, we never did. Um, and one of our few last excursions that we went on, uh, we were in the Spokane Reservation over in Will Pennant, and we went down this road. Specifically, it was Elijah Road, and it was a pretty calm, still night. And this road, as farther as we got down, everything started to be more decrepit and dying. Uh, wasn't a lot of trees, more of a dirt road. Uh, though on reservations, there's a lot of dirt roads. This felt a little bit different, and we all felt that vibe change. Um, once we got out, we were ready to investigate. Um, and we started to hear whistling, and we all knew it was time to get back in the car and leave and not look back. Wow. wow. It, it, tell us about the fear that goes inside when you hear that whistling. Because, you know, I've even heard our, our resident storyteller, Swamp Dweller, talk about, you know, these these whistling in the story. It can actually, it can actually bring in uh, not only feral people, but these weird, white-looking, bony creatures that hover around caves. And that's how they communicate, is by whistling. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah, that's more like it. It's a way for either them or, let's say, us, if I were to whistle, to lure them in um, and to cap, to, like captivate. The fear is absolutely unreal. Uh, thanks for Eric. He has big ears. He was the <laughs> first person <laughs> to hear the whistling, and he's like, everyone, be quiet. And we started hearing it, and it was a tune, and we can all attest that we heard the same tune. And it it's just, um, it makes the, you know, the hair on your neck stand up, like, it, your body's telling you to get out of there. Yeah. Have you ever accidentally whistled back? Or have you been around somebody that has? Sometimes if I want to play around with them, I'll joke that I'm going to whistle at night. Um, although... We've never whistled back. <laughs> no. You'd be in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I know I would be. <laughs> there's, I feel like there's... Well, one of the things no. about... The one of the things about whistling... Sorry, you, you guys kind of got stuck there. Uh, is it's a form of communication, as we all know. And we've heard, you know, Sasquatch does this. We've heard other creatures do this. The little people are said to lure people with, with whistling. I mean, it's just amazing the power of a whistle. I mean, you think of the of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, whistle while you work. I mean, there's always whistling sounds going on in the forest from the wind, unnatural whistles, to, to something a little freaky. And we'll get more into this when we return for hour number two of Spaced Out Radio, coming up right after this break. It's Ghosts of the Great White North. Our main man, Merle, from the Paranormal Road Trippers, is with us. And our special guests, Eric, Shayla, and Cheyenne, from Paranorthwest, based out of Spokane, Washington. We are having an absolute blast tonight. More ghost stories underway when we return for hour number two on the Mighty SOR. All right, we're clear. Okay. You guys chat away. I will be right back. Okay. Yeah. 
Me too. I'll be, I'm just going to fill my drink up. Be right back. I'm going to empty my drink out. <laughs> Let's go into some indigenous lore next half hour. The lesser known stuff. Your whistle one was good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, I think I've experienced yeah. the whistle hunting, and it creeped Ooh. me the the heck out. Like I was yeah. deep in the bush. Like when when I go, I, I go hike. I hike in. I'm not, I don't just do the road hunting stuff. I go. I go for a walk, and I swear to God, I I heard two whistles and no one was around me and I ignored it because I was, I was, it just gave me the creeps and I felt time to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the natural. Hey, maybe we should not be here. Yep. Mm. Yeah. No, that was, uh, I remember that trip very well. It was deep in the mountains up North here and there were, it was one of those hikes when there was no deer around, no moose, no bird sounds, no nothing. Just dead. And yeah, I swear. Well, when you just start, when we were talking about the whistle last half hour, I'm like, oh god, I did experience that. And oh, no. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, next time you're up in our area, we'll have to link up. Yeah, you got you got to come over. Hundred percent. I want to investigate your house, especially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come investigate. We'll make you some dinner because anyone that comes over has to eat. I like that. I like American food. <laughs> that's uh, so different. That's the uh, the Mexican tradition. All my friends and anyone that comes over can attest. I'm like, oh, you want to stop by? Here's a four course meal. Come eat with us. <laughs> I'm in. Done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Whenever. Thank you. I will probably. I will take you up on that. Um. We really wanted to maybe come out. It depends on the mountains. We wanted to come out to Spokane, like in March, April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The mountains with the snow and all that. Um, yeah. So the, that could the be- passes. It really depends on the winter with the mm-hmm. passes around here. You know, sometimes March is fine. Sometimes you have to wait a little longer. To mm-hmm. get and the way that the winter, the weather's been this year, there's really no telling on how they're going to look. Gosh. It's been so odd around here. Yeah, same with here. We have like like a heat wave going on. It's 
I don't know what it is in American, but we were like 27 degrees now today. Oh, zero, zero's freezing, 27, hundreds boiling, right? You guys are Fahrenheit, we're Celsius. <laughs> I was doing Celsius. Zero Celsius is freezing, 100 Celsius oh. is boiling, right? I, I guess so. Oh. I have no idea. Me either. It was hot today, and I had air conditioning <laughs> on. <laughs> it's because of harp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? The the government program that uh, changes the weather. Was that a thing? Yeah. yeah. Look at look into that. Okay. Harp, like the instrument. Look up harp. I think it's like H A. Maybe it's double A. Yeah, I think it's double A. Okay. But yeah, it's uh, basically. The United States government wanting to weaponize the weather since they weaponize everything else. Fair enough. <laughs> They're like, how can we kill people with the weather? Let's find out. <laughs> We're going to keep it hot for a month longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll teach the Canadians a thing or two about hot. Jeez. Yes, we don't want snow. What is snow? <laughs> yeah. I'm getting they snow. Lives in the I'm, real. Getting, I'm getting snow this week or next week. Actually? Yeah. Dude, it's 27 degrees down here today. Wow. It's hot. It's like summer weather. Yeah. I don't know what 27 is in Fahrenheit. I feel like I should know this. It's about 80 degrees. 80. Oh, yeah. It's warm. Yeah. I told you. I told you. Do you guys use kilos, too, and, and millimeters? I don't. We do. I don't. See... Hold on, guys. Hold on, guys, because we got about twenty seconds left. I want to start uh, by saying thank you to Cat Chaser and Catfish for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate earning your listening uh, ears and everything goes along with it. Thank you for the support. Thank you to everyone who's given us a thumbs up so far. It really helps with our algorithms. Here we go with hour number two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club, Yelting. Yelting is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out uh, our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio.
Here we go. Hour number two of Ghosts of the Great White North. Our main man, Merle, is back from the Paranormal Road Trippers out of Vancouver, British Columbia. And tonight we are joined by a great team out of Spokane, Washington. And they are Paranorthwest. Members Shayla, Cheyenne, and Eric, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. We very much appreciate having you on. Of course. Thanks for having us. We're very excited. Absolutely. And right before the break, we were talking about this strange whistling that people are hearing in the forest. And if you hear whistling, stay away. Just stay away. It doesn't matter whether they're whistling a song or just whistling something that you may not recognize. Just stay the hell away. It's one of those ways to keep safe in the forest. Now, right before the break, I I, I believe, Eric, you've heard this whistling? Yeah, well, we've all heard the whistling. I mean, when we got out of the the car, when we were going to go investigate on the reservation, they were all talking. Our friends Hope and Carrie, who come on a lot of investigations with us, they, you know, everyone was kind of talking about what our next move was during this investigation. And I had heard whistling. You know, it's pitch black. It was like 1.30, 2 a.m. in the morning. And I hear whistling of a tune. So I'm like, hey, hey everyone be quiet. And everyone hears it at once. And I just said, get in the car. We're turning, we're out of here. I mean, we're not going to be, oh, I wonder what that is. Because we all know with the stories in, in uh, you know, first. Sorry, you broke up a little, a little bit there, Eric. So we just know that in, in First Nations culture, whistle is never a good sign, especially at night. It's it's just a big beacon of, hey, uh, you don't want to find out what this is. No, very true. It's a, total, it's a total attention grabber, and I think the old saying, curiosity kills the cat with that, and that's kind of probably what's Aprovecha los precios más bajos de la temporada de JCPenney Como toallas de baño Home Expressions Quick Dry a solo $4.88 Y encuentra aún más ahorros en botas para damas Y jeans para él y ella de marcas como St. John's Bay, Mutual Weave, Arizona y más Comenzando en $21.88 cada uno Compre con estilo JCPenney Ofertas válidas hasta el 23 de octubre en selección de estilos Los precios más bajos de la temporada se refiere al periodo del 31 de julio al 23 de octubre Se excluyen del cupón Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. <laughs> Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22 going on with that. And you said, you know, a lot of other little known indigenous legends and folklore from in and around your area, which Pacific Northwest would technically be our area too. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So one that's pretty known around the uh, coastal and Salish people are the water babies. And it's when you're close by to any kind of body of water, it could be a river or just a small creek, you'll hear the sound of a baby crying. And uh, that's the way that they try to get you to come close to the water so they can grab you down. Almost like the same kind of concept of a mermaid, you know, of like an actual cryptid mermaid. Nope. To the sound of an injured crying baby, that'll definitely make somebody look because it's that instant care and nurture. Right. Little do you know, you're going to the bottom of the ocean. Okay. Let the baby cry. How how often are these heard or seen? I haven't heard... I mean, my my partner was telling me about this. Um, from what I've heard, I haven't thankfully encountered anyone that has heard this. Have Have you two? Mm-mm. No, I have not. I've heard stories about it. Yeah, um, and a lot of a lot of indigenous tribes all over share similar stories like these. Um, and it's kind of same with the whistling and don't go down by the water at night kind of a thing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's pretty universal um, universal as far as the stories go across the nation of tribes. Yeah. Because even down into, into Mexico, uh, where my family's from, they share the same sentiment of, you know, don't be by the water at night, don't. Uh, whistle at night, and if you do hear whistling for us, it's uh, it's an entity known as La Lechuza. That's what the whistling at night is, which is literally translated to the, the owl, but she's the owl woman, and she can shapeshift <laughs> into an owl and back into a woman. Oh, nothing scary about that. Nothing scary about that. Just just thinking on this now, do you think that these could have been developed over time where don't go in the forest alone and the whistle will get you or don't go near the deep water or the, the baby will get you as a parental folklore to don't stray away? So I always tell about it. I just throwing it up there. So I always tell people, growing up, uh, you know, Mexican American, every like everything you do wrong has a consequence in folklore. You know what I mean? If you don't listen to your parents, Kukui will get you. If you don't, you know, go to sleep on time then La Llorona will come and get you. And if you cry a lot, La Llorona will come get you for her own. And it's just like, oh, yeah. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, I think it's yes and no, because I think all of these cryptids and stories and folklore come from something. I don't think someone was just sitting there 400 years ago and they're like, man, my kid won't go to sleep. I'm going to tell him about this woman that turns into an owl like, and <laughs> scare the crap out of him. I don't think that was. Uh, the owls, though, I mean, you just brought up owls. I mean, you look at owls. I mean, they are seen through so much. I mean, they are, they are wisdom. They are 
sorcery. They are alien. They are cryptid. They are uh, magical. I mean, what what's your take on owls when it comes to the supernatural? Um, so for our tribe, um, again, and many tribes, it's, um, a negative thing to hear an owl. Um, it is said that if you hear an owl, um, at night, especially a loved one will pass in the very near future. Oh no. Yeah. And this has been true for us and um a lot of our family members have have heard this or you know friends and it's been the case all the all the way around it's very wild well then i'm not going to tell you the night we saw sasquatch (laughs) a couple weeks ago where four where four of us saw and we started hearing uh well, first off, we st- I, I think Ric Flair was somewhere in the forest because we started hearing, woo, woo, seriously, huh. uh, after the sighting. But then the owls started. Oh. Then the owls started. And it w- we had the hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo. And then a r- really weird-sounding owl that, <coughs> excuse me, that was very close to us. So owls, no good. Have you guys, with with the Ojibwe, where you come from in your history, do you tie owls to extraterrestrials as well? I mean, I would say yes to an extent. Even from our own research, often when we do a lot of alien, trying trying to contact the alien, we do a lot of C5 investigations. Um but we often hear owls. I would say nine out of 10 times we are hearing an owl. And that's especially when we are right about to connect with the ETs. Tell me about your connections. <laughs> that's all you. Come on, I, Cheyenne, I need this. Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big alien guy. I'm a big time alien so guy. So it, it all starts off with uh, this man named Dr. Uh, Stephen Greer. Yes. And he, yes, you know of what he does? Yes, and, and to be honest with you, I will never bring him on this show. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. No, true story. He asked me how much I was going to pay him and and if I would provide questions pre, pre-show pre so that way he knew uh, what I was going to ask. And I said, uh, I said, uh, you're the first person I will officially ever rescind a invitation to come on our show. Wow. Good to stand up for yeah, yourself. Yeah. yeah. Staying true. Well, that's good to know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, oh. I agree with his CE five methods. I do. What I don't agree with is charging 25 to $3,500 per person. When you have a gift like that. Okay. Mm-hmm and you're trying to bring enlightenment to the world, it shouldn't come at a $2,500 to $3,500 price tag. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, so it was kind of a mix of that and um, a couple people that we really look up to, which is Greg and Dana Newkirk. Um, they had done a whole I don't even, docu-series 
on Hellier. I would totally suggest checking that out. Um, but we started doing. Like that totally set it off for me. And that's like my thing. I feel I've gotten really close with the ETs because of the Gansfield. Yeah. I, um, you know, when it, when it comes to ETs and everything, I, 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 is your culture very much connected to the star people? I know the cultures around here are very connected you know, uh, some good, some bad. I know one of the elders here that I've talked to has said he just wishes the star people would leave his people alone because every year they lose a couple people. You know, when they come back, they'll, you know, they'll find them on the middle of the road and they've since, you know, they're passed out on the road. Everybody thinks it's it's drugs or alcohol, but they just got dropped off right before they get hit by a vehicle or something along those lines. I mean, I, I hate to talk grotesquely, like that but that is what is happening in our community here yeah there's a lot of that um and i've heard different things as well i feel like our tribe speaks a little bit more neutral about it you Mm -hmm. hear some good things some bad things um but it's a really odd subject because i mean there's been times my grandmother would talk about Um, all these things. And it was really odd because when I would spend a lot of time at her house, um, I would come home and I would have those similar things happen here. So I don't, I don't know. It's a really odd thing. Never anything negative yet. Hopefully not. But yeah, we've had some, some odd encounters with them. You said you had connections with the Gainesfield experiment and extraterrestrials. Did I hear that correctly? So, yeah, I do have connections with the, the Gansfield. I've done it a lot. Um, the first few times I did it, it was just kind of like um, strange symbols, um, maybe some animals, and I wouldn't be able to last that long. Um, once I started getting into it, I would start to um, see ETs. Hmm. to where I can recognize family members of like, who's the grandpa, who's the brother, who's the dad. Um, I can also, they've shown me like how they uh, get on earth, uh, which they actually from, from the, the ETs that I've kind of seen and how they do it. They actually uh, relate a lot to like mosquitoes and um, dragonflies to where they have wings and they're able to, to wear even just like their footwear and eyewear. So they there's a lot of relate, relatable uh, similarities between our culture and their culture, just like, you know, just earth culture. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Dave, that's what we got to try with you as the, as the Gainesfield experiment. I, I, would, I would totally be game. I would, I would I try. Mean, try it. I, I would totally be game. I'm into all that. Have you have you guys speaking of of trying things out? Have you ever tried uh, a, a, a meditation in a completely blacked out black room? No, no, 
I I would suggest trying this. My my guru who opened me up spiritually, we did this three times in his apartment where he had his spare room. Everything was blacked out. Like the window was taped over with with curtains and and black garbage bags over and over again. So there was absolutely zero light pollution. And trust me when I say this, if you try it out, there is a lot of weird stuff that you see. Like him and I were two and a half, three feet apart. We couldn't see each other. But we actually at one point had what looked like a solar system swirling above us. And we could both see this solar system and you'd see little, little like asteroids or little orbs shooting out from it. And the ghosts that came in, you know, from, from people to animals to everything that walked in on us. It was amazing. You want to try a good experiment, try that one out. I think that's right up our alley. We're we're really trying to get Eric more into um, meditation mode. So I think that would be great. Quick question from another former Marine black dragon. Have any of you ever researched giants? So it's, that's actually perfect that you asked that question. Um, one of our friends runs a, uh, Instagram. That's all, uh, stories about paranormal happenings within the military. And, Yeah, he's called. Uh, I don't know if we can plug anything here or tell Go his name. So his his Instagram is Tales from the Grid Square, and he has stories on giants of Afghanistan. He has stories of uh, ghosts in Okinawa, you know that Marines are encountering on post. And so we're actually going to have him on our podcast and interview him about the things like giants and whatnot, like because he gets submissions every day. Because especially now that everyone has smartphones and they can take a video if they see it. Yeah, that would be awesome. We got to get that guy on. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely, the Giants are definitely on our list in the very, very near future. What's that other one, Dave? The, uh, it's like a pterodactyl. What's the term? Yeah, the roping. Yes. Have you had reports at, or looked into pterodactyls or roping flying around your area or thunderbirds? Oh. Go ahead, Shayla. Yes. So thunderbirds I have heard of. Ropins I've never heard of. That I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Apparently there is a triangle that goes from northern British Columbia right by the Alaskan border down to Texas and over to the islands around New Zealand and Fiji, and then back up where these alleged pterodactyls that have, uh, they're mainly seen at night with their glowing red stomachs, like their heart is almost glowing. And uh, Jonathan Whitmore out of, out of uh, Texas, he's been looking into this, and, and there is one very rare book that can be found by a Canadian author uh, of these pterodactyls who actually feed off of people. And one of the First Nations tribes up north of us by by a few hundred miles actually believes that a lot of their members who have gone missing have been taken as rope and food. Wow. 
that is something we're definitely going to be looking into because that's absurd and right up our alley. So <laughs> yeah, oh. it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let, we got three minutes to go before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour here. And the next half hour, I want to really focus on some of your favorite ghost stories as it is Halloween. You know, but in in regards to the Thunderbirds, do you believe a lot of these creatures like the Thunderbird are actually in existence today? Or do you think that people who eyewitness these these giant 40-foot birds are actually looking into a different timeline? Yes. So hmm. um, we believe that Thunderbirds are real, um, but they're, they're beings. Um, and so a lot of times you can hear them um, when it thunders. We actually have our own things that we do culturally because we hold them in such a high regard. But yeah, we believe they're more so beings. Um, but I have heard stories of them being seen in the skies. See, I'm just not sure. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. I think it's people looking into a different time. You know, I think these little doors open where people look in. And the reason why, a 40-foot bird, we know two things. Number one, it would show up on radar. Something that mm-hmm. big would show up on radar. And number two, we don't see any painted cars or painted forests from the droppings that bird would have. Right, yeah. yeah. All right, <laughs> and it's as grotesque as it is, I mean... A bird like the stool from a bird like that would literally paint a car. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, that's yeah. just going to eat right through the clear coat, right off the bat. Oh, yeah. yeah you're going to have to run it through the wash after that one a couple times. <laughs> oh, At for least. sure. For sure. But those are the two reasons why I, I, I kind of really question whether or not some of these creatures like this, whether or not we're looking into a different time or whether we're actually seeing them in reality. Yeah, and we agree. I probably would say they're more on the spiritual being realm than actual physical, like, animals. Right. I would agree with that, too. But that's a cool concept, and I really like that about, you know, looking into a different time, opening up, you know, portals. That you didn't open up, so. And even if it's not a different time, it, ju- it could just be a different dimension that ripped. Yeah, that's actually a good. No, I understand, uh, Merle. We got to get into some ghost stories here. I mean, it is Halloween. Can yeah, we... what are you guys doing? Yeah, you, know, you know, trying to. We're ready. Yeah. So when we come back from the break here at the bottom of the hour here on Ghosts of the Great White North, we are actually going to get into the Eric, Shayla, and Cheyenne's favorite ghost stories that they have that they can share with us here on the Mighty SOR. Because, hey, what's a Halloween or a lead up to Halloween without some spooky woo in the form of paranormal activity? Ghosts of the Great White North with Merle and the Paranormal Road Trippers continues on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. We're clear. Okay. Ghost stories. 
I stayed at Manresa Castle as well and had some spooky encounters. What, what room did you stay in? The one above where the priest supposedly... That's our room, 302? We wrote in the book in there. I took pictures yes. of... We, uh, we grabbed that book and I took... I snapped probably 40 photos because I wanted to read all those later, so... But do you have ours? We, we got some good stories in there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because there were some that were just like, oh, you know, pretty place, nice bed. And you're like, cool. Very romantic. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and there's someone like, my daughter was taken by an entity. And you're like, oh, my God, that changed real quick. <laughs> Dave, there's an early Merle signature in that book. Very rare. Uncirculated. Very nice. I like hearing this. <laughs> I want to go to the Palace Hotel. That's uh, that's where I really want to go to. Same. Yeah, I know. We stayed at the uh, Water Water Street, which used to be. Wait, or is that the I new think name? That is the, the old name. name. Yeah. Yeah, the Water Street, right uh, on the main main road on downtown in Port Townsend, mm. and that place was one of the coolest places we've ever been. How sweet! Hey guys, sorry, guys sorry to right? interrupt. Oh. Sorry to interrupt. I don't normally do this, okay, but I'm going to do this, uh, you know, because I, I'm really enjoying you guys. Uh, we got a number of people in our chat room asking where they can find your podcast. Do you mind giving uh, your, your own uh, show a shout out here, if you don't mind? Oh, yeah. Oh. Hey, Nissan, how do you get to the top? Calculating. Proceed to 1959. Take a hard left in East Africa at the 71 Safari Rally. Veer right for 19 off-road championships in the Baja Desert. Proceed towards Moab. Take the trail to Hell's Revenge. Include steep incline. Continue for the next million miles. Um, where to first again? 60 years, millions of miles, and the capability to take you anywhere. This is the new Nissan. When they come back from this commercial yeah. message. <laughs> So our podcast is called uh, Paranorthwest. It's on Spotify, Apple, everywhere that you listen to your podcasts. <laughs> our, uh, you want to plug our socials? Yeah. And you can find us on um, Instagram and Facebook uh, at the Paranorthwest. And you can email us at the Paranorthwest team, email.com with any stories or places you want us to go. We really just rely on uh, the community and people to be like, hey, have you ever heard of this story or the witches out here in this town? And we're like, I'm headed there now. <laughs> and actually, uh, sorry, I just want to be sure that you knew this. Our Gmail is actually just paranorthwestteam at gmail.com. No, the. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's our social gal, so I don't. I do like the recordings and all that. She does all the socials, and then this one makes all our socials look um, amazing. I, I don't like that stuff. I like the nitty-gritty audio and video stuff. I find Instagram very tired. It's hard to get the oh. algorithms going on that one. Not a yeah. fan. Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where it's at. I think Instagram has surpassed Facebook. I don't think... With the younger gen be. with the younger generation, definitely. The older generation's mm -hmm. fed up but they don't know how to use anything else, so they stay. 
And I still use the Twitter. See, we need a paranormal uh, social media. There was there was a few years ago, a few people trying to start it up, and it just didn't work. It, it's way too much money uh, to fix the glitches. But there were a couple of them out there that were uh, trying to do that. Yeah, you can just get all of us weirdos on the same website at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. You guys work with a lot of other teams out there? No, normally we just stick with us because we know each other. We know our boundaries and how we work. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, it's just, we're not opposed. No, yeah, we're, we're not opposed, yeah. We're always open, but it's really – you find out how different people view things and how sometimes disrespectful people can be about certain places or certain things, and we're not – we're all about respecting the place and the people that still live there and, you know, the yeah. entities. Like, this is your home. Thank mm-hmm. you for allowing us to come in here. We always start off, you know, by saying thank you. And so, a lot of people do Yeah. All right, uh, guys, I'm going to get you to hold on here because we are literally coming on in about uh, 20 seconds. Once again, thank you to Catfish. Thank you to Cat Chaser for the amazing super chats. Very much appreciate your love and support of SOR. Thank you to everyone who's given us a thumbs up so far. We got 86 of them. We like to get around 100. And if you could, after the show, leave a comment on what you think, we'd appreciate it. It helps with our algorithms. Here we go. the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, we got Merle from the Paranormal Road Trippers hanging out with us here as he does once a month to talk everything paranormal and supernatural on Ghosts of the Great White North, which we are doing right now. We got a great team called the Paranorthwest. And this is Shayla, Eric, and Cheyenne hanging on out, telling some spooky stories. We're going to get into some ghost stories here because it is Halloween season, and we've already heard all the four of Marl's tales that he has. And, you know, for you guys, uh, let's start with you, Shia, or Cheyenne, pardon me. What, what's your favorite ghost story that you have, whether it's spooky, whether it's funny? Tell us a good ghost story. Yeah, so um, I don't know if I'd relate this even to whatever realm. This is just paranormal realm, and this has actually happened about a year ago. Um, let me just preface this with what was going on a few days before. I was putting up a uh, walkthrough screen door. I needed some more um, 
what is it, the Velcro. And, you know, I was just talking to this about my mom. I was just talking. And then um, a few nights later, I get woken up out of a dead sleep by my mom. At this point, I was living with her. And she's like wide-eyed right in my face. And like, shh, there's someone at the door trying to get in. And I have two dogs. She had her bedroom window open, which was closest to the front door. And I go by the window. I didn't look. Something told me inside of me not to even open the blind, which I'm glad I'm glad I didn't for some reason. And I can hear this. I can't even tell uh, if it's a male or female. I just hear this person crying and moaning. And she's like, help me, help me, please. Like, let me in. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what is happening? So my dogs are freaking out. And I have pretty big dogs. And I'm like, if this person is in serious trouble, why would they stay at one house over 15 minutes trying to get in the door? It, it just logically, it doesn't make any sense. And so... At this point, everything kind of calms down. And I told my mom, I go, she's still out there. You need to call the cops. At this point, we're protected. But I'm like, you need to go call the cops now. So as we're on the phone with the police, the door handle is like, she's really trying to get in the door. And I really thought that she was about to come in my front door. And it was going to be a whole thing. I think it was a female. I think so. And it seemed like a lot, like a whole lifetime for the cops to get there. And they're like, hold on, you know, we're on the way. So I kind of, I can see that they're spotlighting. What, what do you think they were spotlighting or the police were? The police were spotlighting like as if they were trying to find this person that was in such distress. So... Oh. They come to our door and they're like, there's no one here. And me and my mom were just stunned. We're like, no, there's someone here. So they clear um, the garage and the backyard and all around. And they're like, yeah, no one's here. You know, we'll keep a patrol car out. But it, it just to me, it was so mind boggling. And then that morning, my mom was mowing the lawn and she goes, Cheyenne, you're never going to believe what I found in the yard. I found a dime, a little rubber ball and Velcro, which shook, like it shook me to my corks. I'm like Velcro. We were just talking about that like a couple days before. So that was my spooky story. My take on it is that it was probably an inner, like, dimensional being. Um, I'm not going to, like, I don't think it was um, a ghost or a spirit, but an interdimensional being trying to get us for some reason. Wow. That'd be yeah. terrifying. It was terrifying. I've never felt that way, ever. Huh. I'm just picturing that now. That's uh, Yeah, no, that would be... Yeah, and the fact that there was no one found or that she wasn't even in the area, because it seemed like just a second, like the cops were spotlighting and then everything stopped. So 
I'm like, where could she have went? They even yeah, it's the back. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. They um they said while they were on the phone with the police that they could see them coming down the road as the lady was like trying to get in the door. So the fact that where she went is just crazy. Yeah, she was pounding on that door. She was wanting in. I don't know what she wanted from us. But I was not ready to find out. No. <laughs> How about you, Eric? I think my it's not very it's actually the opposite of spooky, but I would like I I want to tell it because it's kind of one of the most um instrumental things that happened to me in the paranormal. My friends and I had gone up to the local mountain to try for my first time snowboarding. Um wasn't really stoked on it, but I you know, they're like, We'll take you up, you know, we got you a pass, whatnot. So we, we get up to the mountain, we do a day of what they did a day of snowboarding. I fell. I mean, I got a concussion. I broke their snowboards. It was not, I'm not meant to be strapped to wood and thrown down an icy slope. It's just not, you know, my people. there. So on our way back from the mountain, uh, we're it's it's about eleven thirty, so it's dark out, a clear night. The stars are you know shining, basically giving us a uh, a way to see the highway because there's no there's no lights on the, the this road, so it's just our headlights and the stars above us. Uh, I'm starting to doze off as it's late at night, and I've had a full day of falling and and busting my butt, and uh, I, as, as I start to doze off, I feel the car make like in a way I'd never felt before. And when I opened my eyes, the road was on my side of the, like right outside my window was where the road was. We had, we'd started to flip already. So we ended up flipping about three and a half times after hitting some black ice, ended up in the forest on the side of the road. And uh, our car was on the side. We ended up making it out the, the sunroof. Okay, it somehow it opened, and we walked out. And as soon as I walked back to my way uh, to get away from the crash, there was this elderly couple, like in this red little car, like a Geo Metro. And she looks at me and she was like, "Honey, do you want me to call the police for you?" And and I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure." And so I handed her my phone. She called. Uh, Emergency services, they showed up, and once the, the police and the ambulance showed up, they were like, who uh, did you call us, or who, who made the call? And I was like, it was this woman and her husband. They were just here. They were older, and I don't know where they're at now. And they're like, well, we there's only one way in and one way out, and the police took one way, and the ambulance took the other, and they both said, we didn't see any cars on this highway for 20 miles. Mm-mm. And I'm they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean you didn't see any cars? Like, I didn't call. I handed it to this lady, and she called for you. And they're like, that we don't know who who called. And so right then, I was like, okay, I don't know what is here. But when I recounted this tale to uh, these two, they were like, that's that's a spirit or an angel. Something came down and helped you out, but it was so real. You know what I mean? Like I could, I could have touched her or 
there was no like mist. It wasn't weird looking. She was as real as I am. And wow, apparently not, you know, it's just, and I always try and tell people, you know, the paranormal isn't always scary. It isn't always bad. It's not always evil. There are so many different facets to it that we don't, I feel like people paint it with a broad stroke. Oh, paranormal's scary or bad or whatever. And then one more story. Can you top those two? I don't know. Those are pretty good. Um, Yeah, so that was the story. Okay, so this is what I was going to say. Um, When we first moved in here, I love this story because it gives you that, like, excited scare, like, when you're little, you know, and you, like, get scared. Um, It was when we first moved in here. We have a pretty large bedroom with like a walk-in closet that faces the bed. We can see it. And to our left is the door to the hallway. So Eric and I are, well, I'm sleeping as usual. He's awake for some reason in the middle of the night with the light on. And so I had woke, woken up and I said, why is the light on? And he said, I'm hearing something in the closet. Like there's something in the closet. And I said, Okay. And Cheyenne over here at the time, we were having a lot of issues um, when we first moved in and she had told me you have something in the closet. So I had already known that he was unaware. Um, So I was like, okay, well, let's just, you know, turn the light on. We'll just sit here and relax for a little bit and see what happens. So we're just talking and um, he's, he's getting really freaked out. And so I said, okay, well, let me go grab um, a smudge and I'll, I'll clear out the, the room. So I light my sage and I start smudging and um, and I just set the sage down and I'm walking back to the bed and I hear a loud thud. And then it's just immediately like footsteps running from the closet to the door and out the hallway. (laughs) It was so clear. I just, I like froze and I turned and I looked at him and he goes, did you just hear that? Someone ran out of the room. I don't know who it was, but somebody was in that closet and the smudge just they didn't like that. No. It was the same sound as if like a, a grown, you know, two hundred and twenty pound man were to jump off of a first yeah. story, you know, off the second story onto the first story. I mean, it was a like a bang. And then we just wow. heard what sounded like like uh wet <laughs> footsteps of someone that was barefoot. I mean, you could hear like that. Right. I was looking like, did you hear that or what? Like, what is going on here? Terrifying. <laughs> but oh, cool yeah. at the same time. This is the house I come back to. You know, <laughs> this is the house she bought when I was deployed. And I was like, all right, well, apparently we're going to be very busy here. What's your oldest house for sale and haunted? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what she's clicking on the Zillow. Is it haunted? <laughs> okay. I'll take the haunted one. Well, you never How many spirits? With the haunted one. Think... Nah, that makes for. For entertainment all the time. How many spirits do you think are there? And do you think you get new ones or 
or do you feel you have transient ones? Yeah. So, um, my first couple encounters, um, I know exactly who they are. There's going to be the woman in the long train dress. Um, she's been here. She stays here. Uh, that's Mrs. Wells. And then there's Bill. Um, he was uh, someone that worked on this house. Um, he's a carpenter and he's also been here forever. Um, you can hear him hanging out in the kitchen. Um, you can hear him basically anywhere in the house, but I hear him more often in the kitchen. Um, you, you guys did speak like a couple weeks ago that you said you have a new, um, new spirit in the house though. I don't know if you guys were joking around with me or. Yeah, I, because we are, um, spiritual people and we do work with a lot of, um, medicines and things like that. We do have a lot of, um, activities. So there's a lot of people that come and go, whether it be guides or helpers or family um a lot of animals we get a lot of animals that come through the home too so Hmm. Mm -hmm. have you guys ever been followed home from an investigation so that's somewhere where we draw the line i always um am the first one to go ahead and jump up and we always set the tone so we usually introduce ourselves um you know we just hey you can um And then we always make sure to close out. We always say, thank you for coming, but it's your time to go back now. And that's how, I mean, it's always worked for us. And we've set that intentions within ourselves to say, no, no one's coming home with us. Since it is Halloween time, do you guys have any Halloween investigations coming up? Any investigations? We are trying to plan um, to go over to the Idaho area a little bit more because um, there's a lot of brothels and that kind of thing in Wallace. Um, an old mine is over there. And, yeah, we're planning on hitting those those forests over there. So maybe we'll see the big guy. Or the feral people. <laughs> oh, they'll get you. Oh, my <laughs> One story that we really haven't talked about tonight, and it has been mentioned, is the little people. Have you had encounters with the little people? At our house. Uh, they are around. Um, so first off, explain for our audience who or what the little people are. Okay. Oh. Okay. So the little people, they're mischievous. Um, they can be anywhere from three inches to maybe two to three feet. Um, and they typically come around when you're in need of help is Mm -hmm. when they come in your home. Um, they're when they shouldn't be there and you don't need help. They're going to cause problems. They're going to be stealing things and taking things and messing with stuff. Um, and we were always told to leave out chocolate or whiskey on a spirit plate for them, and it'll kind of keep them at bay. Yeah, but they're definitely known to come in and um, heal you uh, when you're sick or when your loved one is sick. So it's kind of a double-edged little sword there. But we definitely, um, they're fun to have around. <laughs> what is one experience you've had with them? Oh. Um, Oh my gosh. So I have one item in particular that they really like to take, and that's my pendulum. 
I can put it one place. I know exactly where it's at. I can see it for weeks on end. And then at one time, it'll just be absolutely gone. And I'll just, like, tear my house up trying to find my pendulum. And then it'll turn up in a totally different spot. Like, in my closet when I've had it on my desk. Like I, I know I didn't move that. So they really like my pendulum for some reason. Damn. Dave, you've had little people. One of the incidents that I, I haven't had it, the experience myself... But I know my audience likes me telling this story. My buddy Mike, a couple of years ago, was out hunting. And he went into this gravel pit area that we, we frequent all the time. And it was it was around, you know, dusk and about 7, 7.20 at night. And I'm 20 minutes away at home getting ready for the show. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the forest, he starts hearing right along the roadway of this gravel pit my voice, help me, Mike, I'm in here, come in here, help me. And he said the voice was emanating all around him, hmm. but he knew the direction of where the voice was coming from. And wow. he got the hell out of That's there. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And. That, from what I've heard, is, you know, the forest dwellers or the little people who are protecting the forest who may not be very happy and take it out on the first human they see. And I think that's where yeah. maybe a lot of these little these uh, missing people go as well. That could be a true thing that also, yeah, happens. But not to mention, you guys here inside of your house and during winter. Oh, Yeah. I, I remember the first time I heard it, and I, you know, like I said, I started very skeptical, and I'm still the most skeptical of the entire group. I'm very, you know, uh, science-based and trying to find, because I just want to prove it to other people. I want to say, hey, I believe in this, so you're going to believe in it now, too. Here's your science proof, you know? And I was standing on the porch, and I heard what sounded like like little... Pitter-patter. Yeah, pitter-patter, like walking in the leaves next to the house. So I was like, it's got to be like a raccoon or something. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. You know, but uh, have you ever left out any type of gifting for them? Kind of as apologies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we leave out the whiskey and chocolate for them, and they they do like that. Yeah, and they really also, uh, a little tip, they like shiny things, too. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they will take like shiny things, including like rings or just even like nuts and bolts, silver. Hmm. Yeah. I'm still on the uh, feral people. I really want to investigate those guys further. Well, if you come over uh, next year, you let us know when and we'll, we'll set us up and we'll go back into the backwoods with you. Sounds good. We got some, um, I don't know if I dare say this right now, but uh, Windigo. Oh, my God. (laughs) Why didn't we talk about this an hour ago, Dave? Let's talk about the Windigo. We got four minutes left. We got two minutes left. Okay, we got two minutes worth of Windigo here. Go ahead. Shayla, go ahead. Jesus. Well, there's there's a lot of that. The shapeshifters, they're, they're seen and heard a lot about on the reservations around the area. I mean... Have you ever seen one? Smelt one? 
I personally have never seen one, and that's something I don't want to see. Um, but they're something to highly stay away from. Uh, my partner was actually hunting in the woods. He claims that he saw one like figure. It had a human-like figure, but it also had um, antlers, and it had it moved on two feet. So you put two and two together. You know, I'll let you decipher that. <laughs> That's very, very taboo. Saying the word or saying the name of it is likened to whistling at night. Almost like Beetlejuice. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't. It's rare to hear them say it out loud and especially at night. So you guys have really brought out their A game tonight. <laughs> and we said it a total of five times. I, I'm surprised you actually said yeah. the W word. See that's well, I say if we talk about it on the on the you know podcast, I'll say like big dub or the dub map. I like the and dub map. And is usually the one that'll be like, I'm gonna say it, and then she'll like yell it into the mic, and I'm like, What are you are you trying to conjure him? People can't see what's happening. It's a podcast. If we get taken, they're just gonna hear it. If you don't hear from us again, yeah, now you know. Yeah. Well, it is time for us to wrap things up. Merle, another successful ghost of the Great White North. And I got to tell you, I had a lot of fun tonight with Shayla, Eric, and Cheyenne from Paranorthwest out of Spokane, Washington. And guys, I love your attitudes towards the paranormal. Merle knows my little secret. I can't stand paranormal teams. But you guys are different. I love you guys. And uh, all the best in your success in finishing off this year with safe and healthy uh, encounters out in the forest with your investigations. Merle, we'll see you next month, my man. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Very welcome. Very welcome. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then, little Timmy Senor, our resident Timbit, will be here for the UFO report. Solid show, people. Solid show. Strong show. Strong show. Guys, yeah, thank you so much. You took a. We've we've never done this, and I wouldn't choose anyone else to do our first uh, radio broadcast with than you guys. You guys are so awesome. Awesome. I'm glad. That was fun. Appreciate you guys, man. Really do. We can't wait to have you you guys. Absolutely. Hundred percent on the list. All right, guys, I got to run. You guys got to run. Merle, you just uh, do what you feel you need to do. Bedtime. Got to work tomorrow. All right, buddy. Oh, yeah. Solid show, Merle. Thank you, buddy. All right. right, Thanks, guys. guys. Take care. All right. Paranormal strikes again with Ghosts of the Great White North. We'll be right back, guys.
I am back. Thank you to Cat Chaser and Catfish for the awesome super chats tonight. Very much appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't already, give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. And uh, let us know uh, how you feel about the show afterwards by leaving a comment. It really helps with our algorithms as we continue to grow this channel on a nightly basis. And, of course, spacedoutradio.com. we got great swag coming up. And don't forget the weekend shows. we got Jessica Jones along with the After Hours team led by Grant Baker. It's a great, great night of uh, radio each and every night here on Spaced Out Radio on our YouTube channel. So make sure you check it on out. And here we go, everyone. Hour three coming up right now. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Yelting. Yelting is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on the Mighty SOR. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we're going to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. At midnight one night, I decided to go outside and hop in my hot tub. As soon as I got outside, I realized it was very silent. And if you know anything about the woods, they are never quiet. I was in my hot tub for around 30 minutes when I heard an animal approaching about 30-ish feet away, right on the other side of my wooden fence. I brush it off as just being a deer, and I continue chilling until I listen to its steps. Then I start thinking that it couldn't be a deer, as the steps were bipedal and it sounded far too big. I'm talking about three to four hundred pounds hefty. And then I realized that it was hovering around four feet or so. So, with one step, and it started sounding bipedal, that's when I started to feel like it wasn't just watching me. It was getting closer. I soon confirmed this when I heard it start walking back the way it came. And then it kept doing this, like it was going back and forth. Remember, this was only about twenty feet away from me so I could listen to which direction it was going to fairly easily. Anyway, I only had brought my phone with me, so I kept trying to see if I could see it with my flashlight. 
Of course, it was too far away, but all I wanted was to see at least a slight silhouette. As I said, I was terrified, so when I couldn't see anything past eight feet, I just sunk my head into the hot tub to where only my ears and face were out, trying to hide if I could, thinking maybe it would go away. This would only appear to make things much worse on my end as I heard it cross the fence and begin to walk up to the side of my house and towards the hot tub. It came within a couple of feet of me, before it went back to the fence, and then started going back and forth with those significant steps once more. At this point, I stood up in the water and tried to see it with my phone flashlight before I heard one of my dog's barks in the mudroom across the house. I then jumped out of the hot tub and sprinted, fearing for my life. As I got inside, I dried off and told my mom, who was sitting on the couch, that something was watching me outside. I then checked on the two pit bulls and Great Dane in the mudroom and realized they were cowering in the corner, scared of whatever was outside. Keep in mind, these are big dogs, so it takes a lot to frighten them like that. I grab a flashlight and a shotgun. I loaded them with slugs and forced my dogs outside. The Great Dane would not leave no matter what, but I managed to get the other two out. Then I heard it again, but this time it was adjacent to the door, walking sideways around 40 to 60 feet uphill. I live in the Rocky Mountains of Montana, so everything is either uphill or downhill. I shine my light to where I hear the thing, but it is behind trees and I can't see much of anything. It keeps going until I go to lock my chicken coop up for the night. I bring both dogs with me and as soon as I start to walk the 80 feet to the pen, one of my dogs runs to the backside of the mudroom through the dog door. I bring the last one with me to the chicken coop and as soon as I shut the door I turn back and the dog sprints back to go inside. It ditches me. I lock the chicken coop door as fast as possible and I run faster than I ever have keeping the light on the hill where I heard the creature last. I get inside lock every door, and I stay in the living room all night, checking outside every now and then. To this day, I have no clue what that thing was, and I've never had another encounter with it. I have also stopped going outside at night, especially when it is quiet. Ah, uh, you love the Swamp Dweller around here, what we call Swamp Out Radio. Thank you, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio for posting that. And of course, Swamp Dweller kicks off hour number three here on Spaced Out Radio, Every Monday through Friday night as we spook you out. And if you love his stories and you want more, go listen to thousands of them for free at youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. All right, it is time once again where we get into the UFOs. Little Timmy Senor, we call him the Tim Bit around here, brings in the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Well, Tim, it's another busy week in the world of ufology is there's sightings, there's news, there's a little bit of everything that is going on. And, and you know, one of the things that I would like to uh, bring up here is one of the documentaries that I actually did some voiceover work has just been released. And I'm very much looking forward to to uh, people telling me what it is all about. It's called Secret Space UFOs, NASA's first missions. Our first astronauts saw UFOs. And this is produced by Darcy Weir. 
and it could be found on Apple TV. It could be found on Google Play, and it will expand a little bit more as we go on. I believe it's uh, on a couple more already that I just can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe I should because I'm not promoting it very well. But, yeah, old Davy's voice is all over that one. And I will tell you, I learned a lot about this. And if you watch this documentary, Tim, which I highly recommend you do, all right, here's one of the things that I learned from this. Everybody wonders why I'm picking on Bill Nelson and why I'm picking on NASA to go into your own closet before you start talking about UFOs, all right? This is the reason why. When I got the script to this, dude, from Darcy Weir, I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. You have to be kidding me. All right? And watch this video. I encourage everybody to go on Apple TV or Google Play or Hulu or many others. It's called Secret Space UFOs, NASA's First Missions, our first astronauts saw UFOs. And I'm telling you, Tim, you're going to be upset. You are going to be upset with the cover-up. I know you haven't seen it yet. I haven't even watched the final project. I just got news today that it was finally out. I'm going to be watching it this weekend because I, I hate hearing my voice. I do. But I'm telling you, man, Watch this. You will you will understand my anger towards NASA through this whole UFO world. Because I know you bugged me, Tim. I know you bugged me about it. I do. I do, but um, honestly, I mean, I'm happy to see you put this project together and get whatever this message is out there. Um, more information to the public is useful, no matter what it is. And... Um, you know me well enough to know that my opinion changes all the time. And so even though like, here's the thing, you guys hear me support a lot of the programs that NASA has done throughout history. And you probably view me as a big fan. And um, I mean, there are things I love. There are things I hate. And part of it is obviously the cover up and the frustration that I feel for the silenced astronauts. And I talk about that all the time because I know that a lot of it had to be talked about, you know, deathbed confessions or through books or through, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations that were hush hush. And um, it, I found it incredibly frustrating when NASA came out requesting information from their astronauts as if they didn't already know the information and after they'd silenced them for so many years. So, I mean, you have to understand, as much as I love them, I also hate them. It is an absolute love-hate thing. But I feel like I'm somebody that can only draw on the positive. Because there's so much negative in everything already. <clears throat> so I try not to dwell on it. And so I, I let the skeptics do that for me. And I agree with them. You know, you don't see me put up too much of a fight when you bring up your points on not on NASA <clears throat> and their silence, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got something in my throat there, but um, this is an exciting video. You'll definitely be getting my review. I look forward to watching it. 
Yeah, I'm very much forward, looking forward to it, too. Not just because I've been there, okay? But literally, I, I recall reading the script, and I was just absolutely blown away by this whole NASA cover-up. And that has really, really opened my eyes to what is going on and how much of a cover-up there really is on everything that we are talking about regarding unidentified flying objects. I think right. it, I think it's disgusting. I think it's hypocritical. And it wouldn't surprise me. Now, I'm not expecting everybody to be as angry as I am with this, okay? My job is to promote the news on what's going on out there. My job as a radio host is to bring that emotion of the stories to you, all right? No matter what the setup is, that is my job. I want you to feel something when you leave this show, whether it's about the woo, whether you're laughing, whether you're angry, whether you are just, you know, feeling however you feel after the show. We're trying. That's how yeah. you captivate an audience is by getting them to feel things. And I will guarantee you that there are going to be a number of people, Tim, who have listened to this show, who have who have heard me rant and complain and whine and cry and spew and whatever about NASA over the last few months and and ripping Bill Nelson, the executive director of NASA, a new one, every chance I get, watch this documentary, Secret Space UFOs, NASA's First Missions. You can get it on Amazon Prime as well as Apple Play at, at Google. It's the cheapest on Amazon, by the way. All right. Go watch it. And when you learn that there are actual uh, audio footage from Apollo, from Gemini, from the X-15 NASA test pilots who are talking about these strange objects flying right beside them, that they are getting a bird's eye view of these UFO craft right beside them while they are out of control because of the rocket engine. You have no control over where it's going or what it's going to do. You just hope for the best, okay? And these craft are following them. And for NASA to this day to play stupid and to play us like fools, we should all be angry over this because the cover-up from NASA regarding unidentified aerial phenomena is real. And it is disgusting and they are playing us like we are idiots. Like they are the smartest and we're just in kindergarten on this subject. It's arrogance at its finest. And Darcy Weir has done a great job with this film. Okay. Uh, the script was fantastic. And he's got some very good points in there from people like Richard Dolan and many others giving their professional opinion. And I hope Darcy does a follow-up on this with the stupidity of Bill Nelson. That's what I would call this, the next film. Secret Space UFOs, the stupidity of Bill Nelson and NASA. 
if I had my choice, if I was a filmmaker. Be angry, people. You're allowed to be angry about this subject. And if you're not, then you're just part of the game that is bought into the current narrative. If you want to know that there's a narrative going on, watch this documentary. Secret Space UFOs, NASA's first mission. Our first astronauts saw UFOs. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm sorry. How do you feel about, how do you feel about SpaceX? I think Elon knows exactly what they're what they're going through. Would you call that the future of our real exploration in space? Close. Because it's, yeah. Close. But Elon, from what I have heard from my sources, Elon has been read in. Elon knows that his rockets are being followed. He knows. I, yeah. He knows this is going on. Except there's public Elon and there's private Elon. Private Elon be. is all about the aliens. All about the aliens. Public and the publicity Elon that we see on Twitter and on news programs, okay, he is very much in denial about because he doesn't want to talk about it publicly. And maybe due to his NDAs with NASA, he is not allowed to say anything. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, because he must be read in because he's involved in those programs. And uh, NASA seeks his technology and collaborates on multiple projects. So obviously he's privy. Um, but, I mean, I see the real progress happening there. The real rovers are being built by companies like, you know, Bigelow Aerospace. They've demonstrated some pretty cool uh, inflatable, I believe, uh domiciles, you know, planning to uh, establish things up on the moon. I think that that's really interesting. In the first moon rover, the batteries are being designed by Tesla and being demonstrated and things like that. And a lot of progress is being made very quickly. And so it's exciting. But I, I don't see the future of the ex true exploration coming from NASA. I absolutely agree with you there. But um, I don't think that we're going to miss out on anything because we have people like Elon Musk um, and SpaceX, and that program will outlive him. You know, it, it that's will. that's yeah. For me, though, Tim, it's just if we want to push for truth, okay, like. Here's what bugs me about the UFO field. I'm going to take a shot at the UFO field right now. Okay. This is not the opinion of Tim Seymour. No, no. This is the opinion of Dave Scott. <laughs> I'm it, just joking. If you want truth, if you want what's happening, if you want this to come out, if you want disclosure, you have to... You can't just support everybody for a blind eye, with a blind eye, pardon me. You have to be able to call it out when it is fit. Now, the UFO world has a problem because all we want to do right now is have these aha, gotcha moments. That's all we want. 
so many people. You know, oh, you know, they instead of taking a paragraph, they're focusing on half the words in a sentence. Aha, gotcha. That's what it's become. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage. We have fake journalists. We have fake scientists. We have fake researchers. And all we want to do is slam others and put their uh, put their face on social media and say, cancel, cancel, yeah. don't believe yeah. this person, cancel. No, you're so right. And with the new social media culture, um, these people that are coming out as witnesses and experiencers um, are being treated like bullies. And isn't that an incredibly frustrating thing to have to watch happen? Somebody that has legit- legitimately had an experience, whether it's big or small, they have it, they're trying to you know relay it and they're getting cyber bullied because it's this day and age but Um, we don't know what we're fighting for everybody says well we're fighting for disclosure really here is a prime example of something to fight for the bs that nasa is throwing into the public eye we're gonna spend one hundred thousand dollars researching this I don't know if we're going to find anything. That's garbage. And you got people in the UFO world. Oh, yes, NASA. Welcome to the fight. Welcome. Are you kidding me? This is a group that has silenced dozens upon dozens of astronauts who have seen and experienced things in space. I don't care how good of a or how strong of a human being you are. If you're flying through space on your way to the moon and you see something hovering above the moon staring down at you, how alone and how scared are you going to be? I would crap my astronaut suit because there's no way out, Tim. And these people have probably been traumatized by this, especially the Apollo astronauts who experienced this firsthand. How scared would those first pilots of Gemini be, those first astronauts? What about John Glenn, first man in space for the United States? How scared was he if he would have seen something? Here he is all alone, not sure if his rocket's going to hold together, and now he's got to worry about a UFO following him. This is what's scary. And this is what NASA knows. And this is what they are not telling us, because they are liars. I hate that term. I hate the word liar. I hate accusing anybody of being a liar, Tim. But NASA is 100% lying. And we as a UFO community, whether you're just a fan of this show or whether you're an experiencer or passionate about it, you need to be able to to argue the point until you're blue in the face that NASA is a bunch of hypocrites when it comes to UFOs. And it's disgusting the way they are treating people and treating uh, us like we're stupid. And potentially politicians. If I'm Marco Rubio or Kirsten Gillibrand or whoever, I'm going nuts on them. Absolutely nuts. Because they're lying. 
and they're lying through their teeth. And they know nobody will call them out on it. Tim, I apologize for going on that rant. We'll get to your stories on the UFO report when we come back. Check out Secret Space UFOs, NASA's first missions. It's on Apple TV, Google Play, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Check it on out. Sorry about that, buddy. Totally cool. You brought up some great points. You really did. Um, yeah. Sorry, I, I just, this NASA thing pisses me off. And I know I've said that before. And I know you and I were laughing about that earlier before the show when we talked. But it just, it frustrates me. It really does because it's right there. It's, you know, it, it's kind of like, to put it bluntly, it's, it's, you remember all of us had that, you know, for us guys, I'm going to have a little guy talk, uh, um, right now. And for all us guys, us nice guys, we always had that real gorgeous female friend who, who was, you know, always in bad relationships. And you know, we always had a little crush on her and, you know, we try and tell her, Hey, what about me? But she would look all around for that perfect guy where the perfect guy was standing right in front of her, and that was you or me or whoever, okay? But she never looked in front. That's what we're doing with NASA right now, okay? NASA is is, uh, not giving up the information. We're like, hey, what about you guys? And they're like, who, what, who, what's over here? Yeah, oh, there's CNN. Let's, Let's go lie to them. There's Fox. Let's go lie to them. Uh, let's hold a press conference and, and lie about what we don't know. Right. Okay. I mean, you've got to imagine what drew them into this topic. What put, you know, what forced them to even talk on this, right, initially. Because they could have remained silent on it. Perhaps they were asked or, you know, pressure was applied for them to come up with something. And, you know, instead of them coming up with their past and having to reveal their secrets. Instead, they said, let's draw the line here and see what new information that we can come up with is, is relevant. You know, but I imagine perhaps they have felt a little bit of pressure to speak on this. It wasn't just, you know, they just, you know, decided to start talking on this or investigating this. Um, I'm sure pressure was applied somewhere for them to do this report. Mm-hmm. Well, the the minute they went public with it, that they were doing this report, is the minute they look stupid. And the shameful part about it is nobody has called them out. This shows the stu- Remember a long time ago where I said to people, we're going to see the stupidity of the mainstream media. The information about... Uh, astronauts seeing UFOs, all you have to do is Google it. Which astronauts have seen UFOs? And it's right there. Right there. All right? It pops up. It does its thing. And you can see right there that they're lying. That they are lying more than anything. Right. Um, does it discredit any of their programs to know that they don't give us all of the information? Um, 
And then I guess my other question involved in that is, should we be upset that they have lied to us about everything? Like, I understand part of this they should have shared, but, um, you know, what if that same camera that was used to photograph the UFO, you know, demonstrates capabilities that other countries might be interested in? I mean, is there reasons why potentially that NASA didn't do this that are legitimate that we could look into or is it just them simply covering it up and i'm not looking to make excuses for them i'm just trying to rationalize perhaps they had a real reason for it other than just not knowing what to do with it and figuring the public couldn't handle it which is probably a big part of it do you have any thoughts as to what other motivations could be potentially yeah they don't want to be involved bill nelson uh... He stated in his first press conference that he, uh, you know, he he was very uh, intrigued by all of these encounters that the U.S. Navy had had, okay, and the pilots had had. Well, what about your own right. pilots, you moron? Right, but aren't they supposed to focus their energy perhaps on getting the shuttle from A to B, you know, and that they're they're not supposed to be distracted by other things and like nasa i I mean i don't know but tim i agree with you i think that's a smart statement but the minute bill nelson opened up his freaking trap and started talking about ufos in a press conference you put yourself in the game and you put yourself on target but the media Mm -hmm. is too goddamn stupid to follow up to follow up and understand what is going on here we go buddy we got five seconds sorry no home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we have Tim Senor. We call him the Timbit around here for the UFO Report as we are getting ready for another interesting night of stories from Tim. And Tim, hundreds of Michigan residents reported seeing sightings nearly 20, almost 30 years ago now, back in 1994. They weren't watching OJ back getting chased. They were watching UFOs over Michigan. Oh, sorry, Tim. Uh, I accidentally had you muted there. Go Muted? Okay. I apologize. Yeah. No, that's great. That's no problem. This recent Bustle article kind of covers this case really well. And so on the night of March 8th, 1994, hundreds of people called 911 to report strange lights hovering in the sky over Lake Michigan. 
all giving eerily similar eyewitnesses accounts of what appear to be UFOs. Quote, I don't know if you guys are doing anything on UFOs at all, but I got the real one, one caller said in a 1994 dispatch recording. So uh, another one added that they're out there and they ain't airplanes. And so Unsolved Mysteries uh, has a recent Netflix series. And so this season's episode two, I believe, volume three, this is the one of the cases that are, are being covered in this series. And so it talks with a meteorologist that was contacted and he was getting radar readings on all of these hits, um, I believe for hours until the wee hours of the morning, almost until 2 a.m. And some of these radar returns were following these lights all over the Lake Michigan area. Hundreds of reports coming in from people reporting into the police station, the radio station, and into the weather station. And so by the end of the night, he was recording dozens of these lights in formation over the Lake Michigan area. And he was able to document it and record it with corroborating accounts coming from witnesses on the ground. And so it's an extremely compelling case. And I'm really glad that Unresolved Mysteries, uh, or Unsolved Mysteries rather, um, is bringing this case to light again because it's a whopper, Dave. It is, especially when you get these cases like this Michigan incident or three years later, you know, the Phoenix Lights. You know, people are affected by this. They may forget, but they never fully forget what's going on or what happened or how it happened or anything along those lines. You know, they want to know what's going on. They want to know what was about it. And out of frustration, they end up giving up. Okay, they end up giving up because they know the county officials, the sheriff's office, the local military, the local governor are not going to say anything to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Now, these lights that were recorded up there in that area corroborated by this meteorologist, it's incredible to think that this story is coming out in such detail um, now, given this is on the East Coast, we are now starting to see incredibly similar cases coming out right now around the Channel Islands. And Dave, are you seeing, I don't know if you've seen the, this episode yet, but boy, do these um, sound like the same things that we're seeing now on the West Coast. In, in, in fact, in this case, the meteorologist in one uh, of his recordings, he had it at 55,000 feet down to five feet in less than a second. Where have we heard that before? Absolutely. That we heard that from Kevin Day from, yeah. from the Princeton incident uh, and the uh, USS Nimitz back in uh, 1994 exactly. as well. I mean, or pardon me, 2004, pardon me. So the idea behind it is we are getting information. I do believe these are hotspots, but here's the thing, too, you have to remember, Tim, and I wonder if there's any correlation to this with uh, Lake Michigan being right there. How much does water have to play in this? I think you may have nailed it right on the head there because even um, as recent with Ben Hansen revealing the racetrack UAPs, we're again seeing that over the water. And this UAP case with Ben Hansen is ongoing. I mean, as recent as yesterday, we have brand new reports. So um, I think water is a massive connection. In fact, in this 
Series 3, Episode 2 of Unsolved Mysteries, they do actually have some of the witnesses describing the UAP over Lake Michigan with, um, at the time, corroborated by campers and the meteorologist. He had it at 6,000 feet, and the witnesses on the ground had seen what they had quoted as a white waterfall reaching from the from the lake bed all the way up into the sky. They didn't know that there was a UFO in the clouds because it was so high. And so interesting to say, they just reported a white waterfall. Um, and so water is absolutely of interest, you know, according to this report, at least. And so who knows? And again, let's consider the fact that Arrow was just renamed, you know, they renamed it Arrow, our investigation group. And so that is an all domain anomaly resolution office, right? And so they're including water in this. And that's a very important factor. I think that um, that may be the biggest factor. In fact, a lot of my research has led me to the coastline. Every time I find a hotspot, there's water. You're absolutely right. All right, let's move on to story number two here. Okay. Former Navy pilot describes weird black cube that flew right past his flight team. That's right. And so former U.S. Navy pilot Ryan Graves gave a detailed description of regular encounters that flight teams had with the black box UFO that they were seeing quote-unquote, every day. Appearing on the latest episode of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, Graves spoke about what a pilot who saw the unidentified object saw. As the podcast began, he highlighted his credentials and his history with the Navy, saying he studied mechanical and aerospace engineering. And so he goes on to describe what the pilots were witnessing, which was, of course, as we know, a box within a sphere. And he said that the multiple pilots repeatedly witnessed a strange UFO phenomenon on their equipment, as well as with their bare eyes, and starting in the late, to, in the late uh, 2013. So he said the pilots were seeing these objects by eye and also on their radar after receiving upgrades to their aircraft. The objects were always up there every day as they conducted training exercises. And part of what Ryan brings to the table is the fact that this was something in the air that was potentially a danger to the pilots. And that is really why Ryan brought it to the attention of his superiors. And within this really lengthy but awesome interview that was done on Joe Rogan experience, um, he goes into detail how when he tried to report it to higher ups, they just basically gave no response and there was no one that ever followed up. So it wasn't until years later that he felt that it was time to talk about it once they were requesting information. And so I recommend anyone go and check out this report because it goes into some incredible details that are kind of new. In fact, he does go into describe what he believes one of the, um, let's just say, behind closed doors cases of one of the 144 cases that were revealed to Congress that weren't made public. He has an idea of one one of these cases may be, and he gives a description within this interview. And so I recommend everyone go and check that out. Well, you know, Ryan Graves is very quietly, now that he's a civilian contractor, 
building a company that is really looking into the radar and the abilities of unidentified aerial phenomena. He's got some incredible backers behind him. He's doing it independently outside of Galileo and outside of uh, the United States military. I think this is a guy to watch here, Tim. I, I really do believe this is a guy to watch regarding, you know, what is happening. And his company, uh, and I apologize, it's I can't name it off the top of my head here. I was looking at it earlier online. His company seems very determined to uh, figure out this, this uh, UFO game that we're playing here. Yeah. And when you hear his interview, you can see he's really focused. He's an intelligent guy and he's definitely got the experience and the understanding of what this thing is kind of all about. Um, It's incredibly hard to record it. And when you do, even the data that you have is kind of mysterious. Um, He was going over some of the radar data that they had and going over kind of an explanation. And even to him, it's still a head scratcher. So you know, multiple points aren't always enough. You know, there takes um, that extra element, I think, sometimes to understand this. And we're starting to see that there's perhaps a consciousness connection. Wow, is that going to be hard for the military to wrap their head around and collate, right? And so, obviously, and even in my own studies, I'm learning that you can't collate this. You know, and Avi Loeb, when he tried to explain what was going on in the Ukraine, was unable to because it doesn't fit into the math and the physics that we currently understand. And so you're not going to see these things burning up in our atmosphere, even though they're, you know, blowing mock numbers out of the water. They don't act the same way, right? And so that is part of the dialogue that Ryan is talking about. He's like, could they be multidimensional? Could they be, you know, something that's always been here? You know, they go into some really deep ideas, and you can tell that Ryan has deeply thought on it and still not been able to draw a conclusion. And this is someone that's been as close to it as anybody. And so it, it is a really interesting topic. There are a lot of great minds on it. And I'm glad that he's focusing because he's just definitely one of those people that you want you know, on this topic. But um, again, we can't rely on Avi. You can't, you can't rely on any you know, Galileo project. We can't rely on any one program as our source for information as this comes in. And as we know, you know, um, the Navy is just um, put a big silence on all of that. I don't think we're going to see anything else coming from them, to be completely honest. I agree with you. You know, and so it's going to take independent sources like research teams and things like that to really get into it, you know, because it's not going to fit into anything that already exists. It's going to take some, like I said, new math. Well, we're going to have to see what that new math is. And smart people like Ryan Graves are going to be the ones who are are leading this way, you know, regarding UFOs. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out with his new company. And, you know, he's in the game, but he isn't in the game at the same time, if you know what I'm saying. You know, he, he's staying quite away from the UFO world. He's very choosy with whom he he speaks with. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, you know, but they want to know the technology. They want the nuts and bolts that the U.S. government has. What is bringing these craft here? So this is something to pay attention to. We got one more story here, and I'm sure this is going to get 
fired up here by me, you know, obviously. Late astronaut James McDivitt, his UFO and other astronaut UFO sightings. That's right. And so I would love to just bring NASA in one last time, but not so much NASA, but the hero James McDivitt. So passing on October 13th, just the other day, um, James McDivitt, an American test pilot, aeronautical engineer, and NASA astronaut who flew in the Gemini and Apollo programs as commander uh, of Gemini 4 mission, which featured the first U.S. spacewalk and the Apollo 9 flight, which was the first crewed flight test of the Apollo lunar module. And so um, fans are passing, uh, mourning his passing, and um, enjoying some of his uh, heroic experiences in his life and revisiting some of those. And along with that, um, he did have UFO experiences. And in this article, um, we get to get a little taste of some of those. And so uh, it seems like his first experience, seeing something incredible, uh, came in the early year of 1965 on the flight of Gemini 4. On the second day of the four-day mission, spacewalker Ed White was sleeping when McDivitt filmed a UFO out the window of the capsule while over Hawaii. The photos were not properly focused, but McDivitt believed at the time he was seeing something outside of and close to the space capsule. Uh, Word reached the press and the UFO photos were reported to be disc-shaped objects with tails resembling tadpoles. And so McDivitt also reported seeing unknown objects all over the Caribbean and spoke often of the sightings after leaving the astronaut program. However, he was stuck to his official story that he saw a man-made satellite not acknowledged by NASA for security reasons. And the photo that was released was not of the object, but of a light reflection off the co-pilot's window. Nonetheless, James McDivitt was one of the earliest astronauts to speak publicly about his sighting. So he was incredibly brave just to do that on, on my personal aside there. And so... Um, just to continue here, prior to McDivitt's 1964 sighting, a number of astronauts also reported seeing a strange thing that they could not identify. And so in 1962, Mercury astronaut John Glenn claimed three snowflake-like objects followed him and eventually overtook the capsule at varying speeds. Other astronauts were later able to recreate the snowflake by banging on the walls of the capsule, leading many to believe that they were just ice particles. Later in 1962, Mercury astronaut Scott Carpenter reported photographing firefly-like objects and seeing a saucer, but the fireflies were thought to be window glares or dirt, and the saucer was a balloon ejected from the capsule. And so finally here in 1963, Gordon Cooper, the last Mercury astronaut, reported seeing a greenish UFO with a red tail during his 15th orbit over Perth, Australia, and that was picked up by ground tracking stations also. So while he was not allowed to be questioned about it, Cooper claimed throughout his entire life that the U.S. government was covering up the information about UFOs. And although different, difficult to verify for obvious reasons, Soviet cosmonauts on board Voshkod 2 in 1964 reported a cylindrical object, which was probably a satellite and a UFO, 
during their reentry. So Dave, even in this article, it supports what fires you up every day, that everyone gets silenced when they see UFOs if you work for NASA. Well, and, and this is what we're talking about, Tim. That was exactly what we ranted about for 15 minutes when we brought you on the show tonight. And James McDivitt's quotes can be heard on that new documentary about NASA and UFOs. I, I mean, I, I listen to what you're saying, and we, you know, we listen to, you know, James McDivitt, a, a true hero. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, sixth man to walk on the moon, a true hero. Gordon Cooper, walked on the moon, a true hero. You imagine at 88, 89 years old, if Buzz Aldrin finally grew the cojones to announce that him, Neil Armstrong, and who was the third? John Glenn? No, it wasn't John Glenn. <sighs> Look it up. I I'm am. sorry. I am right now. No. Okay. Phil Collins, or Michael Collins, pardon me. Michael Collins. Michael Collins, the command pilot, mo- or the command module pilot. Could you imagine? Yeah, that's. Could right. you imagine He's if the- Buzz Aldrin, when they were on, went public, if he would find the cojones to go public to say what they saw on that first landing of the on the moon? Force NASA's hand. You know, because these heroes, these heroes, Tim, and that's what we're going to call them, is heroes are dying. And we've lost a lot of them in the last few years. Okay? And they are going to their graves with people not paying attention to their message. Okay? In all the reports, remember when Dr. Edgar Mitchell passed away, in all of the reports that were done on his passing in mainstream media, not a single one of them, as far as I could tell, mainstream, not alternative, mainstream media, not a single one of them brought up his work within ufology and his passion for this subject or that he saw something while on the Apollo rocket. And he also was massively into the consciousness connection um, and wrote and worked for decades on that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's an absolute shame. It's a that, travesty. It's a travesty. Yeah, that it, was a, it was a waste of information. We could have progressed so much further with that being in the public purview. Um, you know, and, and and think about where we could be as a society if we had proved this out a long time ago and just accepted it and it wouldn't be such a big deal. No stigma. You know, it's just part of life. Um, obviously, there's no threat. There may be accidents, you know, the same way there's traffic accidents. But if there was a threat, I think that personally, we would be much more aware of it. You know, it would be on a scale that we would recognize. And so you would hope. You would hope. You would hope. Um, I mean, who knows? But you're absolutely right. But we've talked deeply on that as well. But you're absolutely right. I think that along with Project Blue Book and the Condon Report and how they dealt with Roswell, the formation of Air Force, form creation of NASA, all of that was 
in exploration for extraterrestrial life um, in search of the technology, buddy. That's right. A great UFO report once again. Tim Senor, our resident Timbit. We very much appreciate it. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brothers watching. Bumblefoot is the official music. Spaced Out Radio rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. Spreaker, YouTube, LGAP, Twitch, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.